There's only one place to get a true Colorado mountain pie, and that is Bojo's. And right now, Bojo's is giving away a free honey cheese bread with the purchase of an entree. Yep, the only place you can get a Colorado mountain pie is also the only place that's going to hook you up with a free honey cheese bread anytime you come through and just simply mention DNVR. So make sure you hit up Bojo's or go to Bojo's.com. That's B-E-A-U-J-O-S.com and make sure you tell them that we sent you. Presented by Strava Craft Coffee, Ryan Konigsberg, Zach Stevens, and we're happy to have back Andrew Mason. Mace, good to see you. Good to be here. I'm not sure I'm all the way back. I've, I'm sitting here with two cups of hot tea in front of me to try to make it through, but, you know, I figured I'd missed long enough. Might as well try to give it a go. Well, I hope you feel okay, because uh, maybe this podcast won't be going tomorrow if it spreads around the room. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I might be doing it solo then. <laughs> yeah, you're going to be responsible for the pod. Yeah. That's sick. Uh, but it is great to have you back. And uh, with your return has come some Broncos news, which we have been completely uh, void of the last couple days. The news is... That one, the Broncos have officially hired Mike Shula as their quarterbacks coach. Long time coming. Kind of weird that it took so long in the first place. Uh, and two, they have hired Rich Hurtado, not to be confused with former intern Rick Hurtado, as essentially the uh, Mike Sullivan role, which was in charge of negotiations and salary cap management and all that stuff. Um, why don't we start with Hurtado, because I feel like it's going to be a much shorter conversation. What do we know? What do we need to know? Who is this guy? Well, in the short term, the first thing is that he comes from CAA, and he worked with Todd France, and Todd France is Justin Simmons' agent. So you put two and two together. I don't think we had any doubt that Justin Simmons would be a Bronco in 2020, whether it was with the uh, franchise tag or a long-term deal, and of course, when the Broncos have given the franchise tag, it has always ended up leading to a long-term contract, but certainly, I think that's going to help out the process a little bit. It's interesting that now, this is the second consecutive cap guy and negotiator in the building that has come from the agent side, because Mike Sullivan had spent, I believe, 11 years over at Octagon before he moved on to the Denver Broncos in 2012, and now you have Hurtado coming from CAA, very similar background to the one that Mike Sullivan brought, except the difference is that Hurtado has three years with the Philadelphia Eagles. At the time he was there, a certain guy named Matt Russell was also working for the Eagles. Yeah, and to me this says we're going to be in a similar process that we were in earlier. We know John's a hard negotiator. He's not going to back down. But maybe Mike Sullivan was a little too hard of a negotiator and, and kind of rubbed, rubbed it too much. Uh, but I think we're going to get the exact same thing. I, I think uh, Hurtado is going to be uh, a hard negotiator as well, coming from that background, having that experience. But Mace, it has to be 
a coincidence that he comes from the agency that Justin Simmons is represented by, right? I mean, you're not hiring this guy in order to sign Justin Simmons. No, you're. that's kind of just, it's the short-term thing that's interesting, but you're not bringing him in because of the relationship with Justin Simmons. That's got very little, if anything, to do with it. Now, I think the fact that he has worked with Matt Russell earlier in his career, that probably has more to do with the fact that the Broncos are hiring him now than anything else because Matt Russell has John Elway's ear and we've seen how you know Matt Russell kind of helped Vance Joseph become the head coach and uh, you hope that this hire works out a bit better. Matt Russell, the GM. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, there's always a tie. You know, you, there's always a way to draw it, draw it back and figure out what the tie is there. It is – what do you guys think? Did the Broncos fall in love with this guy and just say, like, hey, we got to fire Mike Sullivan so we can hire this guy? Um, did they find out that he wanted to get out of being an agent? Like, how, how did this work? Why? Because at, when it happened that they moved on from Mike Sullivan, it was clear – Okay, they already have a guy in mind. So what is that? What happened here? It's it it's clearly has to be this guy that they had in mind, right? And it just seems like they got enamored by the idea of bringing this guy in. And uh, now, to me, I said it last week. The only thing that makes sense from moving on from Mike Sullivan is either you just really loved Hurtado, or it was kind of a, a scapegoat and a reason to say. Yeah, you know what? We've have had some bad signings. We're going to move on, and then John Elway almost gets to wipe his hands clean. Yeah, but I don't think Mike Sullivan had anything to do with the players they were pursuing. Certainly not. So no, but I, that I, could be that could be you know just someone to say he was part of that. I don't think that was the case. I would say that maybe a situation like Calais Campbell not getting him in. Maybe that, if you're talking about a situation that could lead to a scapegoat, something like that would have had more of an impact than, say, oh, Juwan James didn't work out or Bryce Callahan didn't work out, so we're going to get rid of our, our cap guy that and our negotiator. I think also sometimes you have a guy who's been around for several years, and uh, sometimes both parties just get tired of each other, and it's time to move on. And the, just the interesting, the only pushback I'll give to that is when John Elway gets someone in his circle, they're in his circle, and they're, they're not going anywhere unless it's a head coach. But we've seen with Matt Russell, there's been struggles in the draft before the past two years, big-time struggles. You think that maybe if that were the case, he would have pushed someone out already, but he really hasn't. So that, that's the only thing where, where I say I'm not quite certain about that. True, but they've also had some changes in the scouting department over the years as well. Mm-hmm. You know, some for ret- some retirement, some just moving on from guys. So that's so. I think it's a, I think it's a case that you know clearly Matt Russell does have John Elway's ear, but not everybody has his ear in the same way. And and really quick, we've done a great job of saying how Joe Flacco's restructured contract isn't a big deal, but. Really, outside of DNVR, a lot of people still believe that was a terrible move, and they don't realize how the carryover mm-hmm. uh, from the savings really out 
just cancels out the dead cap. But Seems there's like a lot of people in town. A lot of fans. <laughs> sure. Is that exactly. what you're saying? That that say that how bad that is and how bad of a look that is. And we know that John listens to those things. And maybe John was, you know, that that was maybe the thing that pushed it over the top to get rid of Mike Sullivan because that but was probably a Mike Sullivan Doesn't that happen move. with John Elway's approval, though? No, of course not. Yeah, of I mean, that's not. the thing. But what what I'm saying is, John is, you know, over the past month, specifically past two months, John's just been been hounded for that. Oh, I can't believe. Look at this. Now you have $13 million of dead cap uh, because of Joe Flacco. And people don't understand that it really isn't that uh, in that case. But, you know, John just keeps hearing it, keeps hearing it, keeps hearing it. And now he's got, you know, a reason to move on from him. If that's the reason, that's a bad reason, but I don't think that's the reason. <laughs> well, just quickly, uh, a statement coming in here. Uh, from Rich Hurtado. He says, I'm like a bird. I like to fly away. Oh, sorry. No, no. That's Nelly Furtado. <laughs> I got confused. <laughs> sorry. My bad. Oh, man. Where's, um, the, where's the rim shot when we need it? <laughs> uh, no. Okay. I think we covered that. Uh, <laughs> let's move on now to Mike Shula, who, why does it always feel like there's just something weird? Anytime like something goes on, there's just something odd about it. Just seems odd that Pat Shermer's now been the offensive coordinator for what two weeks, and they're just now getting Mike Shula officially signed as a quarterbacks coach. Uh, but I'm just glad it's done because it's one of those things where every second that it's not getting done, you wonder what could be going on, what what's the the hang up, what's going on here. But it is officially in the books. What's going on is that you didn't have a contract negotiator the last couple of weeks. Hmm. Mm. So you think that that this guy who they just uh, announced the hire today negotiated this contract behind the scenes? I think other people did, but I just think there was a little bit of a a, gl- a hiccup in the system while you were getting this position filled. I also think what was going on was Vic wanted it to seem like Shula was his guy, and not that he was just hiring Pat Shermer's guy. And if they would have turned around and hired Mike Shula right after hiring Pat Shermer. These names are going to kill me. It's right. <laughs> well, no it worse than last year when you had uh, Fangio, Scangarello, and I remember a couple of times hearing people add an O to Ed Donatello's <laughs> last name. Oh, yeah. Scangarello, Fangio, and Donatello. At least they were, at least they were different names. These yeah. ones are going to throw me for a loop. But if, if they were to hire Shula right after Shermer, then it would have seemed like, you know, Vic, John, no one had a say in this other than, than Pat Shermer. And to me, I, I don't care. It's fine if you hire if you hire Pat Shermer's guy to be the quarterback coach. That's fine with me. That's not a bad look in my eyes. But I think Vic wanted it to it to be his guy, and Vic kind of made that clear in his statement. Vic said the the main reason that they hired uh, Shula was his his work with so many different quarterbacks and being able to groom quarterbacks and his experience with quarterbacks. And then he threw in there, oh yeah. It, it helps that, that he that he knows Shermer and has worked with Shermer. Dumb. Dumb. <laughs> You're shaking your head. It's just, why, you could wait a thousand years, and I'm still going to think that it was Pat Shermer's guy. Oh, of course. So I don't understand. Yeah, that makes no sense to me. Um, but now they need to – so they've got Shermer and Shula. They need to get a Schottenheimer on no, staff. please, no. And then maybe no. they can hire a former Av Martin Skula. <laughs> to add to the room and then we're talking about mike sullivan too thankfully i mean he's not here anymore so we won't have to talk about him and throw that another s word in there you hope that you're not throwing another s word in there when you see the offense this year that's the goal 
Yes, There's been a lot of S words thrown around regarding the offense the last three seasons. As I said on Twitter, you've got Shermer and Shula. It's the shh offense because they're silencing the doubters. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> Hopefully it's not the shh offense because... Not the oh, shh offense. <laughs> yeah. That's what you're Or the hoping. shh offense because the crowd is always quiet. <laughs> well, you hope the crowd is quiet because that means there are some long drives and... Uh, it's you know you got Drew Locke maybe kind of waving the crowd like Peyton Manning used to. Hey, sign, keep it quiet so I can get these uh, get these pre-snap checks and audibles taken care of. Let me do my job. Let's just hope you there's hope. not an S at the beginning of the starting quarterback's name. I don't even know who that would be, but that would just mean a different quarterback. Is there any quarterbacks that start with an SH? So I was uh, trying to think of that in the draft. I couldn't think of any. Well, I know that there's a quarterback who will be available whose last name ends with an S. Breeze. Breeze. Another one. Rivers. Oh. oh. He's down in Florida. He's the new Tampa Bay Buccaneers He's going to be a Buccaneer quarterback. I, I feel very— I'm sorry, Mace. You know what? You're no, trading a quarterback who could throw interceptions at any time of the game for one who tends to only throw them in the fourth quarter. So you've cut your interception <laughs> chances down by 75% <laughs> if you bring in Phil Rivers. The other thing is, I'm just, I just want to see, and I've mentioned this on Twitter, I want to see him take his ride to the work to the next level. Of course, the last couple of years he's had the tricked out SUV that he's taken back and forth from San Diego to Orange County. Well, he's going to be in Destin, Florida. Destin is about a 40-minute ride across the Gulf by private plane to Tampa. The Bucks facility is conveniently located about a 10-minute drive from Tampa International Airport. It's all setting up to where Philip Rivers wants to charter a plane every day to get home to his family in the Florida panhandle. He can actually do that. How expensive so, is that? Sounds like Destiny. <laughs> it does. How expensive is it? Well, basically, something like that, you're probably looking at about uh, $10,000 uh, a charter. So let's assume that he goes back and forth three times in a week, that he has a couple of nights that he stays down in Tampa. At the, at the, there's some hotels nearby that he can stay at, or maybe he just buys a place to, or he rents a place down there. So I let's think if you're doing this, it's got to be an everyday thing. So if he's doing it every day, that means he's doing it five days, let's say five times a week. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. It's 100000 bucks. Yes, but 100000 bucks o- over... 50000 bucks, or 500000 Because he, he does it uh, two times Oh, each day. way. Yeah. Yes. 100000 a week. Yeah. So oh, 400000 a month. Yeah, you just yeah. negotiate that into your In contract. In the regular season, it's $1.7 million, 17 weeks conceivably, right? Well, how much is he going to get in a contract? 20, 20... One twenty-two million. That's easy. No, it's more than that, right? It would be four hundred thousand times seventeen. No, just te- no, hundred thousand times a hundred thousand a week. Oh, right, he right, said right, four hundred thousand right. in a month. A month, a month. And then maybe you have like the last couple weeks of preseason, so you tack that on there. So yeah, let's say it's let's just say ballpark two million dollars to go nothing. back and forth to the Panhandle every day when the Bucks are going to give him a contract that I would expect to be north of twenty million dollars. God, that is so dumb. Just move your family up there. What's so wrong with Tampa? Move the family to Tampa for a couple of years. It's a nice place. They have Catholic churches. It's all good. And then you know what you do? You you private jet that family down there up to see you once a week. Look, then you just saved five times the money. 
The whole thing is a but terrible it would be idea, funny. starting with the Bucks signing Philip Rivers. So you'd rather have Jameis Winston? Yeah, 100%. I'd rather have Philip Rivers, 100%. I wouldn't – there's no situation in which I would take Philip Rivers over Jameis Winston. I have the fear in, the, in my mind that Jameis Winston is going to be the next Buccaneer quarterback who leaves and does better things elsewhere, very similar to Doug Williams, Steve Young. Even Steve DeBerg took Kansas City to the playoffs after leaving uh, the Bucks. Vinny Testaverde had some very good years after leaving Tampa Bay. Where will Jameis go? Las Vegas. Oh. <laughs> wow. That would be good for the Broncos. Mm, not as good as Justin Herbert going there. That's true. That's true. I thought I Justin Herbert was going to Los Angeles. Tommy. It, Tommy's going to one of those two places. Oh God, I can't. Tommy Vegas, and that's not good. Of course, that's not. That's good. great. But that's let fantastic. me ask you. <clears throat> but let Tom me ask you, Brady. fine gentlemen, this: you want as much Tom Brady as possible. Let's say that the Raiders have Jameis Winston and the Chargers have Tom Brady. Where do the Broncos at quarterback, starting quarterback, rank going into the 2020 season in the AFC West? First, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Second. So so you have Drew Locke ahead of Tom Brady and ahead of Jameis Winston. Yep. I mean, in terms of this year. Well, in terms of in terms of their passer rating last year, if you went by that number strictly, then yes, Drew Locke is ahead of Jameis Winston and Tom Brady on twenty nineteen passer rating. Is washed. Just he's done. Well, so is Philip Rivers. In terms of making the playoffs, that's how I'm going to look at this. You have the third best quarterback, Tom Brady. All the guy does is make the playoffs. But Tom Brady's progression the last three years, if he continues at that rate of decline, his production next year is going to look a lot like Joe Flacco's of the last four years. Let me put it this way. If you took um, the Patriots' offense from last year and just stamped it onto the Chargers, they would not have been a playoff team. It's going to be different. He's going to get a boost. He's going to get a boost being somewhere else. Okay. You guys are going to be crazy for wanting Tom Brady. Tom in Brady's in the AFC West on either of those teams. Broncos go 2-0 and against those teams. No. Won't happen. It won't happen. And where would be the best? Which team would be best for him? The Chargers, right? The Chargers, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's where he's going to go. Actually, and best for him would be Indianapolis, but I don't think that's going to happen. In, the, in, yeah. in this division. Oh, in this division, yeah. yes. Uh, I think that the Raiders would be more desperate to get him, though. You think so? Yeah, I mean, that dude sells tickets. Yeah. Raiders are selling tickets just fine. It's the Chargers that need to sell tickets. But, I mean, like, you're talking about just getting a new excitement when you show up in a place. And, obviously, they're going to get it either way. I didn't realize, I think someone commented this recently, that they lived in Nevada and most people there are already Raiders. Like, that's just been a Raiders place for a while. Um, so that helps them. But I just think when you are going to a new, like, are you really rolling in there with Derek Carr? You got, you got to have like some foresight here. What do you mean? His, his eyes match the, uh, the Roomba stadium. It's true. <laughs> so where does Derek Carr end up then? Surface of the sun. <laughs> Is he a cult? Is he a patriot? Uh, it doesn't matter. He's trash. I think Andy Dalton's a Patriot. Oh, what? my good. I've heard that. Boy, that would be so disappointing. 
You know who actually would scare me if they were a Patriot? Who? Jameis. Jameis? Mm. Well, there is precedent for former Buccaneers who are a bit wayward but have plenty of talent going to New England and finding themselves. Ask Keep to leave about that. Yep. I w- yeah, that's the one that I like. Jameis could go anywhere, and I would be like, "Well, maybe he'll get a little bit better." If he went to uh, New England, I'd be like, "Oh God, that would He's scare me a little MVP. bit." <laughs> and then I would be convinced that it that Jameis Winston would work out just like Doug Williams, Steve Young, Vinny Testaverde, even Trent Dilfer wasn't necessarily a better quarterback after he left Tampa Bay, but he got a big Super Bowl ring on his finger in Baltimore. This is the Bucks' lot in life to have quarterbacks that they discard go on to boundless success once they depart. I think if and I'm convinced, even though I know that they probably have to move on from Jameis Winston, I am convinced that is what's going to happen here, but I'm equally convinced that, that if they kept Jameis Winston, it would not work out. The Bucks, they're damned if they do and damned if they don't, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think if Tom Brady ends up in L.A., there's going to be three playoff teams from the AFC West. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I think that anyone signing Phillip Rivers or Tom Brady is out of their mind. But Brady is much better. And Brady makes a ton of sense for the Chargers. I don't know. Why for a lot of reasons. Why would you move on from one old quarterback for another one? You're trying to create a buzz. Brady makes sense for the Chargers, not so much from a football perspective, but from a we need to try something audacious to get a little bit more of this market. Maybe we can be a lot of people's number two team if we get Tom Brady and get people coming out to our games. Maybe we can create some fans that we don't otherwise have. It's a desperate play, but this is what they're staring at right now. They're... Seat deposit sales are terrible. They're facing going to a larger stadium and having an even worse home field disadvantage than they had in the soccer stadium the last three seasons. They are irrelevant in the market. You go to LAX and you look at the souvenir shops and you see Laker gear and Dodger gear and Rams gear and you see a little bit of LA Kings and even a little bit of uh, LA Angels of Anaheim stuff and you see Bupkus for the Los Angeles Chargers, they might as well not even exist It's really true in that market. It's amazing. There's never been an NFL team so anonymous in its own market as the Chargers are in Los Angeles right now. It almost feels like the the shop owners and stuff are like doing it to spite them. Like I feel like everyone not only does everyone think they're relevant, they like actively don't like them. Right. They're like, you don't belong here. Just get away. And you know what those shop owners are going to do if the Chargers sign Tom? There's going to be 12 jerseys. Exactly. That changes. If they get Tom Brady, that changes everything about their visibility in that market. It's sort of like uh, when the Clippers, you know, for they were relevant for a long time and they were a joke. Well, that's kind of that's changed quite a bit now. Now, in their case, it was they had some decent seasons and then they had to get the new owner. They had to get Donald Sterling out of there there was actually there was actually speaking of the clippers and there was a really interesting story kind of about their relevance in the market that i read regarding kobe bryant that the clippers coaches at the time worked out kobe bryant before he was drafted bill fitch was their coach at the time basketball hall of famer and 
apparently Kobe absolutely nailed the workout, but Bill Fitch told Kobe, "Look, you need to go somewhere else. We're, we can't draft. We we can't draft you. This that if if our organization picked you, it would be the worst thing to happen for your career." Oh wow, that's crazy. Wow. So, but that's just telling. That's where the Clippers were. It's where the Chargers are for different reasons. It took something audacious for the Clippers to change their place in that market. In that market, it will take something audacious for the Chargers to do that. And Tom Brady could be that audacious move. This is setting up so terribly for poor Tom Brady. Poor not, Tom Brady. Not only oh, he's going to be rich after he signs wherever. Yeah, that's fine. Even more rich, I should say. N- not only was he already a huge beneficiary of the system that Bill Belichick has put in place in uh, in New England. I mean, he's hardly even ever had a, a great game in a, in a Super Bowl that they won. Um, not only that, but he's also physically declining. So he's going to lose his buoy in, uh, in Bill Belichick. And he's going to lose his physical talent slowly but surely. He's this is going to end in flames for him. This goes well until the regular season starts. That's my prediction on it. So it goes well in terms of selling tickets, in terms of getting the market a little bit hyped. But then on the field, it probably ends up like Johnny Unitas as a San Diego Charger or Joe Namath as a Los Angeles Ram. It's interesting that those two examples both revolve around the teams currently in LA yep and when the Los Angeles Chargers eventually move to Mexico City or something else they'll be remembered for the place where Tom Brady went to die (laughs) you guys be careful what you wish for that's because you're saying that because you're the one who was interested in Tom Brady months ago for the Broncos I thought I thought the Broncos would be interested in Tom Brady you also said get me Philip Rivers oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Big fan of washed quarterbacks. All right. <laughs> that was before Drew Locke. Let I me, know, um, let me just funny. finish with this. Um, God, I almost said Martin Skula. Mike Shula. <laughs> what are the Broncos getting in Mike Shula um, other than a lot of experience? They get somebody who can ring pretty good seasons out of mediocre quarterbacks. I put up the stat last night about quarterbacks with pro experience that he'd inherited. And it's it's not a stellar group. It's Trent Dilfer. It's Eli Manning at the very end of his career. Jay Fiedler in Miami. David Garrard. So not exactly a murderer's row. What they all have in common, except for, including Eli, they all had better passer ratings and better numbers across the board with Mike Shula than without. And the others, other than Eli, all were good enough to guide their teams to playoff wins with Mike Shula in their ear as either the quarterback coach or the offensive coordinator. And the other thing is that the quarterback that he had from day one, Cam Newton, did pretty well for Mike Shula. Yeah. Very well. So MVP. that's one that people are, I think, overanalyzing here thinking like, oh, the Broncos are going to try to tr- turn Drew Locke into Cam Newton or no. he's going to run a bunch. And people think that Sh- uh, Shula is one of the reasons that Cam Newton got so injured because they ran him into the ground. It's maximizing the skill set. That's what Mike Shula does. He he makes the most of what he has. And you could argue that Drew Locke coming into his second year 
with his potential, might be the best pure pro-style quarterback that he's ever had the chance to work with. This is setting up nicely, and and I will say I was a bit worried um, just about losing the connection between Scangarello, McCartney, and Locke. I, I thought those guys were really in sync, and I was just I, I, there was a little bit of me that was worried, like oh, how's the relationship going to be here? I spoke with someone who essentially told me you don't have to worry about Drew Locke's relationship with anyone; he's going to get along with everyone. And Mike Shue has gotten along with quarterbacks for over 20 years now and he's been a coach now believe it or not even though he was playing in college as recently as 1986 and he has been coaching either college or pro since 1988 he was the Bucks third team quarterback as a rookie in 87 and immediately showed that he wasn't really much of a pro quarterback but they thought enough of him to make him an offensive assistant at I believe the age of 24. Yeah Here's what you're getting. Here's the most important thing that you get with Shula is that he's on the exact same page as Shermer. And that is so important for any offensive coordinator quarterback combination, but especially when you're grooming a young quarterback. And I'm actually a little surprised that the Broncos aren't giving more of Pat Shermer's guys to him. It seems like they're keeping every other offensive coach, which I, I have no problem with any of the other offensive coaches. Of course, no matter what, you were going to keep Mike Munchak. There was no question about that. But I'm surprised that they're not saying, hey, do you want to bring in a new wide receivers coach, a new tight ends coach, a new running backs coach? And that right now, at least it seems, and it's long enough down this process where I think they'd be keeping everyone, that I'm a little surprised that they're only bringing in a quarterback coach to go along with Shermer. But, of course, that's the most important one, to be on the same page with the quarterback coach, the quarterback, and the offensive coordinator. Those guys have to be on the same page. Yeah, it is interesting um, that they just kind of – it seems like they're only caring about quarterback in this move. right. Which, in the end, is all that really matters. It's the alpha and the omega. By the way, I was thinking about some of Mike Shula, and this is just random. He became the Panthers' offensive coordinator after Rob Chizinski left to go to the Cleveland Browns. Whatever happened to Rob Chizinski? He hasn't worked in the NFL in the last two seasons. And this is a guy who was a head coach, had some success with Cam Newton early in his career as the Panthers' OC. This guy's just dropped off the face of the earth. That's what happens when you go to Cleveland. You know who else has dropped (laughs) off the face of the earth? Mike McCoy. Yeah, well, Mm -hmm. you get fired... Two seasons in a row in the middle of the season, you, you got to go. That's pretty wild, though, to go from a head coach and what? Two seasons later, you're done? Yeah. Just completely done in the NFL. Yeah, I, I think for him, I don't think he had a very uh, seamless transition out of power. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's going to have to probably reset his career a little bit if he Just wants retire. to get back in. Yeah. Well, he, he's 40. He's 47 years old. Even he's he's like, too young retire. to retire. Just he's go. got daughters. And... Go, be a, go be a cool. He might have to just say, okay, I have to swallow my pride and go back to being a position coach, not a coordinator, if not I'm, a head coach. If I'm an organization, I'm I 10-foot pole. Ryan, if you're Mike McCoy and you have millions, why not just play golf five times play a week? Play golf and hang out with your kids. <laughs> well, I'll give you a scenario. Dream. What if the XFL succeeds, expands, and says, hey, we're going to put an expansion franchise in Denver, Colorado, have them play out at Dick's Sporting Goods Park. Our head coach is going to be 
a, a person you all know in Denver, Mike McCoy. <laughs> I'm only That's down if they're called move. the Denver Gold. That would be awesome. Yes. Complete with the colors, the the gold burst on the helmet. Yes. I'm I'm I here would support. for I'm here for that. Yeah, me too. By the way, if Denver gets an XFL team, would we all cover it? No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, l- maybe l- very lightly. That'll be that would be interesting. You don't think Denver Gold's too close to the Denver Nuggets? Well, Denver of- Gold predates the Denver Nuggets. No, it doesn't. Really? Yeah, Denver Gold was a uh, 1983, oh, 84, right. 85. They changed to the Nuggets in the early 70s from the uh, Rockets. Okay, my bad. But um, they are connected. It wasn't a problem then. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a new defense. Well, either that or the Denver Dynamite, the old arena football team. The Double yeah. D? Not the Colorado Crush. Nah. No. Let that one go. But I'm here for the Denver Dynamite or the Denver Gold in the XFL for 2021. Are they allowed succeeds. to wear whatever they want on the back of their jerseys again? Good question. I'm not sure. Be interesting. Um, okay. Well, we're just, it's a perfect seamless transition here as we were talking about the Nuggets. And our good friends over at Breckenridge Brewery have just released Mile High City. Woo. A brilliantly bright, full-flavored copper lager. And folks, I drank one. And it's one that you, you don't just want one. Mm. which is my favorite quality of a beer. They're easy to pour back. Yep. It's flavorful enough where you don't feel like you're drinking water, which some of Breck's competitors put out some watery beers, um, but but light enough that you're like, oh, I could drink seven to 12 of these uh, over the course of a Nuggets game. <laughs> so uh, it's pretty good. The can is awesome. It honors the Nuggets. So now they've got the Avalanche. They've got the United in Orange. Now they've got the Mile High City. And uh, we are doing a watch party for the Nuggets game and a release party tomorrow night at Stoney's Uptown. And this is going to be really cool because you're going to get your first chance to taste this beer. You are going to get a hangout with the DNVR crew and watch the Nuggets game. And... Ooh. We are releasing a brand new shirt. Let me tell you what, it is something special. It's really sick. It's really sick. So make sure that you come by Stoney's Uptown tomorrow. Check out the brand new, brilliantly bright and full flavored copper lager, Mile High City. Mace, you asked if we would cover the XFL team. Ryan said probably not, but you know what we are covering we are covering the Colorado Raptors nice pro rugby team here out in Glendale. And let me tell you what, we got a really cool setup with Colton Strickler covering the team. They've got a cool community building over at DNVR Raptors on their Twitter account. And guys, if you ever want to get into rugby, this is the time. Go out and support these guys. They play in Glendale, which is right across the street from Cherry Creek. Right now they have tickets going for $20, and kids are only 5 bucks. It's, it's such a cool way to learn this game or to, to really get into the Colorado Raptors. So go to coloradoraptors.com to get those tickets. Make sure you go to DNVR, thednvr.com to follow the Raptors. And on Twitter, get on DNVR Raptors. And, of course, follow Colton Strickler because – it's so cool that we're expanding our community, expanding to an entirely different sport. And maybe we, as in DNVR, would cover the XFL. We, the as in the us. three of us, <laughs> have plenty on our plate. I would actually say this. We, we, the three of us, would probably parachute in for that first game. 
Oh, like those guys that oh, come into the Broncos games yeah, on parachutes? I can be down for that. Yeah, we para- we <laughs> metaphorically parachute into the press box for the first game, offer our perspectives, which are illuminated by our years covering the National Football League, and then kind of move on to covering the combine and draft and free agency and whatnot. Yes, I thought you were saying like we're so famous that I they would so want too. us to yeah. parachute no. into Dick's Sporting Goods Park. Actually, truth be told, if we showed up and we're doing like a, a podcast on the XFL Denver team, the team would probably be ecstatic. <laughs> I they would bet prob- they would. They'd probably kiss the rings, so to speak. <laughs> I, uh, I'm in as long as they call it the Denver Gold. Okay, <laughs> let's get into the questions from the people here. We got plenty. The first one comes in from Samuel Bisu. He says, hey, guys, I flew in with a friend from Mexico for the 2013 AFC Championship. We ate at Elway's Steakhouse in Cherry Creek. It was very good. Went to the bars in downtown and also tailgated before the game. Uh, at the game, the Broncos touchdowns were great, but the loudest stadium, uh, the loudest the stadium got was when Pot Rose sacked Brady on a fourth down. The atmosphere in the stadium was like nothing I've seen anywhere. That was the moment, I think, when everyone believed we're going to the Super Bowl. When yeah. they got that stop, that's when everyone kind of knew. It, it looked like they weren't even attempting to block Terrence Knighton on that play. It was crazy. Funny story, he says. That night, me and my friend were trying to sleep, but there was a couple in the next room going at it really loudly for a long time. Good for them. The next morning, we were going for breakfast. As we were closing the door, the next couple came out, and it was Eli Manning and his wife. Damn. What? <laughs> We had breakfast in the hotel on a table close to Eli's to see if Peyton dropped by, but he didn't. I asked Eli for an autograph for my mom, who's a really big Giants fan, and my friend took a picture with him, but Eli wasn't very happy about it. He looked uh, exactly like he does every time you see him on TV. Two more things. Top Gun is one of my favorite movies of all time, and I don't like Mel Gibson uh, because of his anti-Semitic comments. So how did Mel Gibson come up? We were talking about uh, Braveheart and the Patriot yesterday. Okay, all right. And I said, like, uh, Mel Gibson just doesn't do it for me. <laughs> Top Gun does. It's a fun movie. Yeah, it's, it's a good one. And I'll, I'll tell you what, though. I don't, I don't blame Eli for not being in the best mood. seems like he has all his energy drained from the <laughs> night before. <laughs> oh, oh, my, my God. That's gracious. pretty funny. <laughs> oh, wow. It was a, not a visual I was planning on having today, but... You know what? I think people might have just clicked off the podcast if, if they're a little bit disturbed by that. It's <laughs> pretty funny. We know Samuel B. Sue is staying in a nice hotel. Or, yeah, or in a, especially on a good floor of a nice hotel. <laughs> yeah. Next one coming in from Brian. Hey, guys. Brian from L.A. here. And, man, I am still devastated. I've spent the last couple of days just feeling awful. I'm sorry if this comment is out of context, but I just want to put this out there. Kobe was so much more than a sports idol to me and so many others. Kobe was family. He really was. He ingrained himself in the L.A. community and lived with us because he was one of us. His life was completely transparent from the great times to the worst of times. I can personally thank Kobe for helping my father and I reconnecting. For years, watching the Lakers play was our only common ground. I spent time away from home with the military. At this point, I hadn't spoke to my father in months, but one day he sent me a birthday package from the back-to-back championship run with Gasol and Odom. Kobe was great because we needed him to be great. I needed him to be great. So now it's our turn to be great. We have the job to show Vanessa and the rest of the girls how great Kobe really was, how one man can completely change a way of thinking for millions of people. Thank you, Kobe, and may you and your daughter dominate the afterlife. 
Well Real, said. Well yeah. said. And uh, I think we, we kind of touched on this yesterday or Monday, Brian, but it was incredible how the world stopped all of Sunday j- just to, to talk about Kobe. And, I mean, it still continued that these last few days and the Lakers and Clippers postponing their game, having that great tribute to him inside the stadium. And I think that really has showed exactly what you're touching on is that Kobe was, was bigger than a sport bigger than life and how he impacted so many people. In sports, it's one of the rare moments where you're going to remember exactly where you were when you heard the news. I mean, people kind of think about it with things like the Challenger, for example. I In sports, I think about it in terms of uh, Len Bias. I remember exactly where I was, what I was doing, how I heard that Len Bias had died. And Kobe's death in terms of kind of how shocking it was and just kind of taking my breath away. That's the one that that's the only one that kind of stacks up with Len bias for me. Yeah, it was a, uh, it was rough and it, and it still is. And it's crazy to see how hard of a time the Lakers organization, which, you know, I think everyone, regardless of how we feel about the Lakers themselves knows that is a, that is a powerful organization. And it, it feels like even that, powerful organization is um just knocked back by this they don't even know they don't know how to act right now well think about how many people all through their organization through every department were there for a good chunk of kobe's time yep it's i mean it's it's a death in the family totally for the lakers it's a it's a it's a deep family rob palinka was Gigi's godfather like right. you know it just it really really deeply ingrained there so uh we're thinking of everyone over there and mm-hmm. and Kobe's family above and beyond and, and also the other families uh, who are lost in that yep. tragedy sausage sanga harry there's no good transition so we'll just move on the more I watch of Antonio Gibson out of Memphis, the more I feel the Broncos and Pat Shermer could really use a dynamic weapon like him. The Draft Network has Gibson ranked as the 12th running back and 199th overall. If he blows up at the combine, I can see him rising up fast. I'd be amped if Denver selected him as high as our late fourth. Do you agree? I wouldn't even say late fourth. I'd, I'd actually be okay with the first fourth round pick, maybe even the last third round pick that the Broncos are sitting on. Just... Used properly, Antonio Gibson is going to be a very unique weapon. He's a, you know, he has a background as a wide receiver, but his size, 224 pounds, and his build says running back. What impressed me the most at the Senior Bowl in the practices was how well he was reading the holes as they flashed open and making one cut and going. He was very decisive in terms of getting upfield, and he's got just such a quick burst. He gets from zero to 60 metaphorically speaking, in the snap of a finger, and he's by the defenders in the, in the box before anyone can kind of turn around. The fact that he was reading the hole so well, despite a relative lack of experience at running back, I think was a huge positive. So what is he? Because in Memphis, wasn't he more of a receiver? More of a receiver. And now he's coming out as a running back? Or yes. he's just showing his versatility? Officially, he's going to be a running back, but... You'd have to define him as a chess piece. Not much. Like any? Some cameos carrying the ball as a senior. That's it. Yeah, because I thought he was a receiver. Yeah, this is a a projection for him, but I think the notion of running back or wide receiver, I think you need to kind of throw all of that out and just say that this is somebody that you're going to move around. This is a chess piece. 
Hmm. This is somebody who's who can split out wide, who can go into the slot, who can be in the backfield. The thing that you're going to want to that some teams are going to want to figure out, they're going to say, oh, well, let's see how he is as a blocker. I'm not concerned about Antonio Gibson as a blocker. <laughs> I don't want him blocking. I want him as a mismatch in space because wherever he goes, I think he's going to be a matchup nightmare. If you put him at running back and have him going into the flat and on a wheel route against a linebacker, forget it. If you have him outside against a cornerback, he's going to have a physical advantage because he's going to have 10, 15, 20 pounds of edge on the cornerback that he's going to be facing. So he has the chance to make some play, some plays in traffic as well, and he has the vertical speed to blow by people. Not going to lie, it's exciting and terrifying at the, at the exact same time, but you're, if you're using a fourth, you can afford that. So it may say, is this LaVisca? I, I'm not saying he has the talent, but in terms of the projection and kind of the position... A little bit, yeah. And also kind but, of the size. But you're taking him later because he did not put up the production in college that LaVisca Chanel did. This is a projection, but in the fourth round, you make projections. Julius Thomas was a total projection as a fourth-round pick, and he worked out fabulously for the Broncos. I could see Gibson having the same kind of trajectory. So if you want LaVisca and Henry Ruggs, you do it in the first round with Henry Ruggs, and then you do it in the fourth round with Gibson. Disrespectful. Um, I love Gibson as a mid-round pick, though. Love no, him. me too, for sure. He's just he's not Lavisca Chanel. In terms of how he projects, in terms though. of how you can play him, he's similar, but it's like store-bought brand. <laughs> um, no, no, you watch him blowing by people on the film when he's at receiver. I, I went back and watched his game against, um, I believe it was SMU back in November, and uh, he's just torching people. From Swedish Bronco, I don't think Mahomes will go for the money in his first extension. He knows they can win so many Super Bowls if the crew stays together. One million, and he would never have to work again in his entire life. He already made uh, close to $10 million, if I'm not completely wrong, taking a 10 to $15 million deal, would keep his family set until the apocalypse and keep the Chiefs in cap heaven. I don't think he's stupid, and I think he wants to win more than anything wins. I just heard a phone ringing at this notion. It's Patrick Mahomes' phone. Patrick says, hello, Pat, it's the NFL PA. You're thinking about not taking the money in this deal? Uh, no, you're taking the money, son. Click. And, oh, and he's it. got another call coming in. <laughs> hey, Pat, this is your agent. You're taking the money. <laughs> All right. Hangs up. And this is Tom Brady calling him. And Tom says... You don't have to take the money. You'll get plenty of money throughout your career. Just win the championship. I don't think his girlfriend is a call. supermodel who's making well, millions sure. more than he is. That's for sure. But. Yes, I can! <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Stop, please. <laughs> uh, weren't there rumblings coming out of Mahomes' camp the past couple months that said he may not break the bank on this next contract? I didn't see and that. And he but. may do the Tom Brady. Yeah, there's been rumblings about that, and I wouldn't be surprised. The, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be. Eh, I wouldn't be surprised either. But this has never happened. Here's the thing: is he he's not going to get um, one million dollars. He's not going to sign for ten or fifteen million. He's going to sign for twenty or twenty-five million at the discount rate. He's still no. getting tons of money. I think he's at least thirty million dollars a year. But note this: the cap. The revenues, they're all going to go up once you get into the new broadcast contracts for 2022 and beyond. So a number that may sound massive now 
in terms of where it fits under the cap after the new CBA, after the new TV contracts, it may seem suddenly palatable. If you're the Chiefs, the question is, how long do you give them? It's possible that maybe they say, we're going to give you a seven- or eight-year deal. We're going to offer this to you. But what if he says, no, nah, I'd rather take three and then see where the market goes after that and where the cap and the revenues go after that? So if I'm Patrick Mahomes and I'm taking a, a discount, I'm accepting nothing less than eight years, $240 million, 100% guaranteed. Yeah. The discount involves it being a long-term deal. Strangely enough. And fully guaranteed. Yeah. So you may look at that that number and say, wow, but then you're spreading it over eight years. And that type of number you mentioned, which is $30 million a year, if he's making $30 million a year in 2026, that may be perceived as a bargain because we may be looking at $40 million quarterbacks being the norm. Yeah. Oh, of course it would be, but I just I think the discount could be even more. I mean, Tom Brady's discount was, what, like $18 million, $16 million, $20 million? Throughout the times, the Patrick Mahomes discount, it may be eight years, $200 million. Maybe fully guaranteed. Don't, I, I don't know. I'm just saying don't be shocked because his true value right now is $35, $40 million. So even if it is $30 million, that still is a discount. And it don't forget, the Chiefs can afford it as well. Clark Hunt you know, comes from money, generations of money in the Hunt family. In terms of putting that, that cash into escrow, escrow, will not be a problem for the Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> Uh, I need the, the Chiefs to lose this Super Bowl so badly so Zach can get out of this like Patrick Mahomes horror world. It's just, I'm living in reality. You guys aren't living in reality. I'm, I'm about, living in reality. What about I, reality? I, it no, says no, Patrick Mahomes is accepting $20 million. Oh. Uh, just r- reports and rumblings. that, that and, and I'm not saying 20 but a discount. And $30 million would be a discount. You know, eight years, $240 million, all guaranteed, that's a discount. That's a discount, but it doesn't really help you in terms of cap structure. You're still in the upper tier of paying quarterbacks. It doesn't help you in the cap until about the mid-2020s. Yeah. It helps you right now. It saves you $5 bucks. That doesn't, do, well, it, it doesn't change anything. The other thing is how much do you kick down the road? It's possible that you could say that he could get the $30 million a year contract, and it may be only $10 million right now, but then – those cap numbers in 2026, 2027 are in the 40 to $45 million range. What I'm saying is the only place where this impacts, like, you know, you're not paying the quarterback so much so, you're don't, you're, so your roster construction gets messed up. The only way that that changes things is if he takes $24 million or less. Yeah, 25 then that's 10 then that's a good starter. But it's not, yeah, but it's not the, it's not the same thing as, like, what they have right now. But like I said, it doesn't matter it doesn't matter if Patrick Mahomes signs for 40 million dollars or 25 yes it does no he is that freaking good and I'm talking about like I've maintained this whole time I'm talking about regular season he's that good that 15 million dollars doesn't matter they're going to be dominant for 15 years you're but like dominant said, you're living means, in a horror world again dominant means that they win the division Half the time, more than that, that they go to they're in the playoffs of those half the times that they don't win the division. They probably go to the playoffs half of that time. But Mace, as and I'm sure there's comments coming at me for for this as we've had the past few days. And and Patrick, wait, Mace, Patrick Mahomes isn't these other quarterbacks. He's not these other quarterbacks so far. He is 
the best quarterback. He's on a projection to be the best quarterback of all time. He is, in his first two seasons of playing, he is one D Ford offsides, which did not impact the play. He just lined up offsides from going to back-to-back Super Bowls in his first two years. He has a Super Bowl, or he has an MVP under his belt. If he wins the Super Bowl this year, he becomes the youngest player to have an MVP and win a Super Bowl. By three years, he would break that record. We, we aren't talking about a great quarterback. We're talking about a quarterback that we've never seen before. And I understand the Broncos country doesn't want to accept it, but I'm just telling you the facts, and it hurts. It you're does. not well, telling you know, facts. You're, you're not telling, telling all the facts. because am I Paul, not telling facts? But you're, you're not, I say, you're projecting. And also, you're I just not, said no. I, no, he, no, no. He, he, he oh, yeah, yeah. No, you're telling the facts, but all, all the facts include that he has a likely Hall of Famer as his head coach right now. Why would that change? In Andy Reid. Because Andy Reid is 61 years old. Andy Reid will not be coaching them forever. Right now, they're kind of in the Brady, Belichick, Holmgren, Favre, perfect marriage of coach and quarterback. But when the coach isn't up to that same level, those all-time quarterbacks don't make the playoffs all the time. The Packers, they have... Aaron Rodgers, one of the 10 best quarterbacks of all time, arguably. Uh, hmm. I know you're going to shake your head at this. But they've missed the playoffs with Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers a couple of times. The Broncos, when they didn't have it always going on with John Elway in terms of offensive leadership, they missed the playoffs from time to time. What makes you think Andy Reid's walking away in, in the next 10 years? Why would he not coach till he's 70? Does he look like a man who is going to be coaching at age 70? I, I think he'll coach the next 10 years. I don't think he's walking away in the next couple of years. And by the time Andy Reid does step away, let's say it's six years from now, he's Patrick Mahomes is going to be He's not going to be relying on Andy Reid. Here's the thing. You drink. Can, I just think it is so silly trying to project out 15 years in the NFL. You can't even project one year in the NFL uh, with a lot of accuracy. I'll project Patrick Mahomes is going to be damn good next year. Patrick Mahomes is going to be damn good, but it doesn't mean that the Chiefs are going to win the division every year like the Patriots did over time. Like I've said, well, the, while Patrick Mahomes is the I've Chiefs quarterback... Six, over 60% of the time. Right. They're going, they're going to win the division half the time. More. And then it's a question of how much of the other half do the Broncos get. Is Drew Locke good enough... And can he blossom enough to where the Broncos get, say, three quarters of the division titles from that other half? What I'm saying can they mount a challenge? Is that anything can happen? And I wouldn't wish this upon him, but he could have a horrific injury. Uh, well, I wouldn't. I mean, come on. I wouldn't. That's that's pr- not. But what I'm saying is you just can't project this stuff. Well, that's what, what yes, you do. That's what we're in the business. You're of. talking we're, about we're in the 15 projection. years from now. Yeah, I'm talking about the next decade and what he can do throughout his career. But, I'm not just going to sit here and say, ah, can't project. We have no idea what's going to happen. That's awful podcasting like we've talked what about. What I'm saying, though, is that you'd, it, it's silly to, to be talking about 10 years from now. We can talk about one year from now. We maybe even talk about two years from now. 10 years from now, there's so much that happens over the course of 10 years. The, the Andy Reid offense and what they do can be completely void by that time. Like, and, and who replaces Andy Reid? There's a lot... You guys play are here. so boring I mean, what, right now. You what if, are what if, trying to project 10 years in the future, and it's just not possible. What yes, if Eric Bieniemy? good. What if Eric Bieniemy replaces Andy Reid, and he's a bust of a coach? It happens. You know, look at Phil Bankson after Vince Lombardi. The, you know, the successors, 
even if they're very well versed in what they're doing, they are rarely as successful as the person under whom they worked before. Guys, I'm just living in reality here. So am I. You're living no, in you're a person. You're living in the the what the bad what ifs. You're not looking at the other side. And I'm living in reality, basing my projections off what we've seen. I think that you're living in a horror world. Of reality. <laughs> I'm basing my predictions on the history of elite level quarterbacks. The only one who's just dominated winning the division year after year without a challenge. The one was Tom Brady, and he had Bill Belichick. So, Mace, my my counter to that, because I agree, and my counter to that is Patrick Mahomes isn't showing he's elite. Patrick Mahomes is showing he's on track to be the greatest ever. Am I projecting that right now? No, I'm not. But I'm saying he is that good. And so if we're saying that only one quarterback has been that dominant in the division, and that's the greatest quarterback that's ever played, this other guy is projecting to be right up there with him. And so how can you not? And I'm not even saying that he's going to win the division 16 out of 17 years. I'm just saying over 60% of the time. You know who his first two years looking all, as start looking awful lot like? Dan Marino's. And Dan Marino had Don Shula winning his head coach of all time. Shula. Working with him. Yeah, where it all comes back to Shula. Yep. But the Dolphins, they couldn't get over the hump. And they had some years that they struggled where they were like 8-8, eight and 6-10. Eight, and ten. It's... It's not guaranteed that the Chiefs put everything on lockdown just because they have Patrick Mahomes for the long term. Are they going to be the team to beat in the division? Yes. Are they going to win the most division titles in the AFC West over the next 10 years? Almost certainly. But it doesn't mean that they're going to be launching up nine division champions out of 10 in the 2020s. Over 60%. The thing about Tom Brady is that he is a part of a dynasty. He's not really the greatest quarterback of all time on his own. None of his traits are the greatest of all time on their own. The reason that he's the greatest of all time, uh, in most people's opinions, is that he was part of a dynasty with a legendary head coach that always, almost always had a really good defense on the other side. So to project all of that happening for the Chiefs is just not possible. You don't. You're not giving any credit to Tom Brady. He threw for 50 touchdowns. He had he had some of the best offenses ever. I understand this past year his Does numbers declined. Does he have the best declined. arm of all time? You don't need the best Does arm. He have when the he, best Manning, legs of all time. I don't need the best. I I prefer a Peyton Manning quarterback. And ta- you don't what, need what was the You don't need the best that, legs. He, there, no trait about him is the best of yeah, all time other want, than the winning. I don't want Aaron Rodgers. I don't want the talented guy. I want the best guy, Ryan. But what I'm telling you is that he is considered the best not because of his traits, because of his wins. Again, I don't I, mm, no, his, his sta- I don't know what you mean by traits, but his stats are damn good. Well, and the other thing is also, A, he had Bill Belichick working with him. B, maybe he's not the best in any one thing, any one attribute. That's what But I'm he's saying. pretty good what do you in mean everything. He's not the best? He has... The Super Bowls. The Where at, do you know what an attribute is? Attribute is my trait. Uh, mind, I, I that was arm talent, yes, exactly. the, mobility. He, but again, he's, a, he's above average in everything. That doesn't matter over the course of his career. That's Aaron. That's the Aaron Rodgers argument, and that argument is absolute garbage. If Aaron Rodgers was the Patriots' quarterback for all this time, he would have the exact same success, if not more. No. Yes. No. 
No. Yes. Tom Brady's cold-blooded. And you've seen it throughout the years. Anyway, ask uh, ask that, that's ask Emmanuel that's an Sanders and Pittsburgh in the tw- in 2010 about Aaron Rodgers being cold blooded because they saw him in that Super Bowl and they know what he can do in a, in the biggest of oh, games. Oh, you mean Aaron Rodgers, the guy that's 0 3 in his past NFC Championship games? All right, I'm over this conversation, and I'm not. <laughs> I mean, that's cold blooded, right there. Is is a guy that can't get it done. Well, Tom Brady's 0 and 2 against the Denver Broncos in AFC Championship games, and they would have won one of those if his tight end could have fielded a damn onside kickoff. And or Aaron Rodgers more has... cold blooded on that two point conversion. Aaron Rodgers has. So you're truly bashing Tom Brady as a winner now. No, I'm just saying that if I'm if, just trying to live in a world of reality, you guys are just living. You 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 are doing the Dove Valley two step. No, right I, now. this is, I'm not talking about anything about the Broncos right now. I'm talking about Tom Brady. And if you took John Elway and put him there, if you took uh, Joe Montana, if you took Aaron Rodgers, if you took Patrick Mahomes, if you took Drew Locke, they would be having similar success. No, I mean that that's just you're giving zero credit to Tom Brady. Right? Watch now. what yeah, happens. Sixth round pick. Watch well, what so, happens with the Patriots this year. This is the year. most disrespect I've if, ever heard for Tom Brady. If Jameis Winston or Andy Dalton or Derek Carr line up under center for the Patriots this year, watch what happens. Because I think they're going to launch another 12-4 and four type of season up there, just like they keep, they've been doing for years. Well, I hope it is someone else. I hope Tom Brady goes somewhere else, and, I hope, that, and I hope that Bill Belichick gets someone else. And... Uh, I, I think Bill Belichick had an eleven and five an eleven and five season with Matt Castle at quarterback. He did, he did, and I think Bill Belichick's the greatest coach of all time. I think Tom Brady's the greatest quarterback of all. I'm not putting Bill Belichick down in any respect. But I'm just telling you silly, that you're over. It's silly to say that if you have to split up the success and what you guys are doing right now, the success of the Patriots is 100 out of 100 points. Right now, you guys are giving Bill Belichick 90% no, I'm of I'm giving it. him 60. That's what, exactly. Thank you. you. You hit the nail on the head. 60%. Six, and what, Tom gets 10? Because you talked about all those good defenses that were there. You talked no, about... The, the good defense and all that stuff is part of what makes Bill Belichick it's great. It's 60-40. And Belichick is the 60. So then... Because what you were saying was if you put any other quarterback any there, quarterback. he's going to make up that 40%. Any good quarterback or great quarterback. So you're giving a little credit to Tom Brady, saying he's great at yes, least. for oh, sure. It just didn't sound like it. All I'm saying is that the reason no, – this started with me saying the reason he is the greatest of all time is because of the winning. And the winning is a part of a much larger formula. And all the freaking stats but he has. I think you're discounting the stats. Okay, His stats are phenomenal. Let's just look at, uh, say, a single-game matchup. Let's go Super Bowl 38. Carolina versus New England. Tight game. John Casey has the kickoff that goes out of bounds. Give the Patriots good field position. They drive to a Adam Vinatieri field goal and win it. If you switch the quarterbacks in that game, Tom Brady for Jake DeLome, who wins? The Panthers. Or, sorry, the uh, Patriots. Yeah, the Patriots with Jake DeLome win that game. He, Tom Brady has, what, four Super Bowl MVPs? I mean, you, you guys are nitpicking uh, And Jake DeLong's probably the Super Bowl MVP okay, if he plays and, for the and, Patriots. And so, so if you're going to just bash Tom Brady for all of this stuff, but Tom Brady, how many points did he put up when the Patriots lost the Super Bowl against the Eagles? That wasn't his that fault. That was his best game in the best Super Bowl. Game. And that wasn't his fault, was it? No, it wasn't that his they, fault. That they lost. So, I mean, you guys are just taking everything that he's done. And I... Guys, I don't like Tom Brady. I'm just living in this world of reality here with what's going on. I don't like Patrick Mahomes. I hope the Chiefs don't 
win and have all of this success. I'm living in reality here. I think that you we all are, think we're you're in just reality. Over, you're over projecting a little. That's all I think. Maybe we're all in our own version you of the say matrix. Over projecting, but we look back at what Tom Brady's done. That's not projecting. That's just looking at reality. I'm and talking the stats. about your, the future that you're talking about, in which Patrick Mahomes becomes the greatest quarterback of all because, time, as you said. Because let me ask you guys, it's because ha- he he's on pace for it. He's on the greatest start ever, and that you, can't be denied. You think Andy Reid coaches another decade, Zach? Correct. I don't think he'll walk away anytime soon. Ryan, how long do you think Andy Reid coaches? I think he goes till he's 70, so um, nine years. Four more years. I think he goes three more years. And after that come the, comes the big question. The only way I could see him going that long is if they never win a Super Bowl on that time, and he just keeps chasing and chasing and chasing it. And also I think he's got to improve his health a little bit too. There's not. That's part of the reality with Andy Reid, I'm sorry to say. I don't think there's a big question at all when Andy Reid steps away. If you got Patrick Mahomes, you're fine. You're fine, but there's a big difference you're between great. being fine. Okay, you're great. You're excellent. There's a big difference between being great and being a dynasty. In terms of the division, great Patrick Patrick Mahomes is a guy that'll win the division often. All right. Yeah, I think look, you're uh, discounting Drew Locke quite a bit here. I can't believe you guys don't think no, Patrick I, Mullins is going to win the division a lot. I, I'm, I, I'm no telling you he's going to – yeah. You just did. No. No, I didn't. I've been sitting here saying that the Chiefs are going to win the division at least half the time. They're, gonna, they're going to have more division titles than anybody else in the AFC West with Patrick Mahomes as their quarterback. I've been saying that. What I'm, what I'm going by is the history of – Elite Hall of Fame caliber quarterbacks and what their teams generally did. I'm betting on the large sample size that says the Chiefs will be a perennial contender, but they're going to win the division roughly half the time. If, if you have just if you had just left it at the the Chiefs are going to win the division sixty percent of the time, I would have never argued with you. But you started getting crazy and talking about him being the best quarterback of all time. No, I said he. That's that's how he started his career is to be on that track, and that's why I'm saying it's not crazy to say he's going to win win the division sixty percent of the time. Heck, who knows? What if this is his only shot? What if this is like Dan Marino, and it turns out his best shot is right now? I when, don't when, think when, that's crazy at all. Yeah, when 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 the Dolphins lost the 49ers in Super Bowl nineteen, I was eight years old. I remember this well. It was thirty eight sixteen. The Niners bombed them, but the overwhelming sentiment after the game was, oh. Miami and Marino, they'll be back. It's almost, they'll get here. They never got back. Yeah, and that can happen. But I'm – okay, so you, you guys want to take that because that, that's the argument you've made this morning is what? that he is – you know, he's a Dan Marino, a great quarterback. I'm saying this is a potential outcome. I don't think that, it, that anyone should just start surrendering the next decade just because yeah. Patrick Mahomes is in Kansas City. You know, so I'm not telling the Broncos to start planning for – 2031 and like we talked about yesterday too ryan being a wild card team that's okay and being a wild card team every year the chiefs win the division and then you win the division the other years you're still a damn good football team and just like eli manning then once you're in the playoffs then throw the 15 touchdowns to two interceptions and i think drew Locke can do that and then then you can win super bowl and actually the thing i'm taking issue with here is speaking in absolutes I'm not speaking in absolutes. I'm projecting, and that's what you're, we do. You're projecting in, this. in absolutes. I'm not saying he's the great. I'm not. I didn't no, call him the greatest quarterback. This of all is time. going to happen. It's, we're it's, both projecting. You have to just yeah. accept it, Zach. We're you both projecting. To, you have to say we're, what you think. We're all projecting. You're just projecting. I think the worst case scenario 
I'm projecting something that's no, a little more No, the worst-case scenario is reality. that Patrick Mahomes is Tom Brady and goes 16 of 17 divisions or whatever the crazy stuff. I'm not saying that. And that's not that the worst would case. Be, and if that happened, Zach, that is as much on everybody in the AFC West as it is on the Chiefs. That's on those teams not being able to mount a sustained challenge. That's on those teams going and chasing rainbows, chasing desperation year after year after year because that has been part and parcel of the Patriots' dominance is the fact that Miami, Buffalo, and the Jets are all chasing and flailing desperately. And they did, they've done a lot of things over the last 17 years that were dumb in Drew, terms of their management. Drew Locke would have been the best quarterback that Tom Brady ever faced in his division. I mean, we're talking like Mark Sanchez, Chad Pennington. You Pennington's die on that hill if you want. I think Pennington's probably the best one, but I don't think that Drew Locke is worse than Chad Pennington. Do you guys realize? I I feel like you guys don't realize how good Patrick Mahomes is. Do you know he has the most touchdown passes in his first three years as a quarterback with 87? You know how many games he played in that first season? I know you guys know the answer. One. And he still has the most. We're going up. Patrick Mahomes is incredible to start this. Drew Locke can be great. Drew Locke can be elite. And like I said yesterday, right now, Patrick Mahomes is in a class. He's tier one. Then tier two is still elite quarterbacks. And Drew Locke can be in that tier two and still be below Patrick Mahomes. If, yes, of course, I'm projecting. That's what we do here. If Patrick Mahomes continues to do what he's doing. And here's what I don't want to do is say that Patrick Mahomes is going to change. I'm just basing it off what he's been. All, and all I'm saying is it takes a lot more to be uh, a to be a dominant franchise than a great quarterback or an elite quarterback or an uber elite quarterback, whatever you want to call him. That gets you in a place where you have a chance every year. After that, it's about the rest of the team being put together well, in the right way. Yeah, what, what, the, the so, rest of the team being put together the right what, way in terms of having a top or a bottom 10 defense, firing your defensive coordinator, right? All those things. Well, oh, because that's what the Chiefs were last year. They had an awful defense. Well, Patrick, and they didn't get to the Super Bowl. Patrick what Mahomes. I, I, Ryan, well, well, you can't put words. I've never stop. said anything about a Super Bowl. I've said division. Okay, the, we just got to end this conversation. <laughs> this is driving me insane. Patrick Mahomes is going to win a lot of divisions. We're all accepting that. I'm accepting. I don't think you guys are. He's gonna. They're, I've no said they're gonna has... win at least half of them. And I said six. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the, but the problem is that you kept saying you kept going further and saying greatest quarterback of all time. And that's like what that. I said. He's projecting. He's on a pace to be the greatest quarterback okay. of all time. So and that is he? Will he or not? Will he or will he not be? I'm. Right now, he's on a pace to be the greatest. Will quarterback. he or will he not? He's be? on the pace. Do you think he will be? be? The greatest quarterback Project. of all Do you think time. he will be? He's going to be extremely good. So, no. He's the Chiefs going to be a yeah. huge issue. The, so, no. Look, the inherent advantage the Chiefs have is that they have the highest floor of, I'd say, anybody in football right now. Because what's their floor? Yeah, Everything course. goes wrong. Seven and nine, eight and eight. That's their absolute, their absolute floor. It's kind of like the Saints with Drew Brees. Their floor was seven and nine. I think that with Patrick Mahomes, because he can be better than Drew Brees, I think their floor is eight and eight. I'll say this. But they're starting at a higher level than anybody else because of Patrick Mahomes. That you can't deny. But it doesn't mean they're going to go and just win 12 games every year for the next decade. I'm not afraid to uh, have an opinion here. 
Patrick Mahomes will not be the greatest quarterback of all time. Wow, strong opinion there. So you're 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 yep. ready to project now. Now you're ready to project yep. when it comes to that. Yep. Okay. Good. I'm glad. Who is the goat in your opinion? Uh, probably Tom Brady. Oh my! After this whole conversation, you say Tom Brady after you just hate on him over and over and over again. It's just, oh my gosh! So I'm right. I won. I'm you're right about what? I won what? a debate. We weren't even trying to win. <laughs> what are you right about? All I'm saying, I, I, the whole time I've been saying the reason that that Tom Brady is the greatest of all time is because of the the larger formula. I literally said that earlier in this argument. I'm still a Montana guy, but I think it's my it's kind of generational. If I grew if up you're with Joe asking Montana. me uh, who do I want to start my franchise with, I wouldn't choose Tom Brady. All time, That's who would you choose? It's a different question. All time, who you're starting your franchise with? Any quarterback who you're choosing? Peyton Manning. Me too. It's Manning or Montana for me. So flip a coin. That that is the argument. That that's the argument I was making the entire time. He is considered the best quarterback of all time because of the larger formula. Because he was he was lucky to be a part of a dynasty. He was a part of that. He was forty percent. He was a, the central part. There, Everything but Bill Belichick and Tom Brady changed in that organization. There is a alternate universe where Tom Brady is a career backup. The stars aligned for him. He's the greatest of all time. But the stars aligned for him. That's all I'm saying. And that's what, that was my point about how he's not the most talented quarterback of all time. He's not the smartest quarterback of all time. He doesn't have the best arm of all time. But he, he, the stars aligned for him. And so he, got the, uh, he gets to carry that title because of his success, which he had a part in. Next one coming in from Oklahoma Bronco 58. Thank God. Says... Is it? Do you guys remember? No, it's Evil Twin. Oh, it's Evil Twin. Okay, why don't you take it then? Oh, sorry. Um, Do you guys remember when Mike Shula fell out of a chair? I Wasn't don't. Wasn't that from Oklahoma Bronco 58? Oklahoma Bronco's Evil Twin. Oh, Oklahoma Bronco's Evil Twin. Yeah, sorry. sorry. I don't remember that. Do you don't guys? either. I, I feel like there's a joke here. And actually, in the course of what has to be the longest discussion after any podcast comment we've ever had, I, I looked up Mike Shula falling out of a chair. couldn't find anything. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I feel like we're missing something here. Yeah, I think so too. From B-Boy Broncos. Hey guys, I've been a subscriber for a while and thought it was finally time to submit a comment. I live right outside of Hershey, Pennsylvania, home of our favorite candy bars. Since the off season is fast approaching, I thought I would post this question. If you take a, tur- a tour of Hershey's Chocolate World, you can make your own candy bar. My question to you, gents, is if you could make your own candy bar, what would you put in it? Hmm. It's easy for me. It'd be a dark chocolate candy bar with peanut butter on the inside huh so like reese's but a dark, a dark chocolate, chocolate reese's basically do they not make that's, that that's got to be available yeah that's the, what I would from thought. time to time well that's that's what i like best but what i would like is not i, I want like you ever have the the special dark chocolate that they that hershey's makes no I don't okay I don't like dark chocolate all right well that's fine everyone's <laughs> got their own taste i like to take the special dark and dip it in peanut butter yum and it's amazing. And so that's why I would say take like a bit, like a special dark, like a chunk of it, like a, have it be, you know, about a three quarters of an inch thick and it's peanut butter on the inside. And that's your candy. And that's amazing. I would have some crunch bites like are in crunch bars and uh, cookies and cream bars. Also some caramel in there. Those would be two key things for me. I think that the Hershey's cookies and cream bar is a perfect bar. And that would, that's just what I would make. Mm, I like Tom Brady. Just perfect. Um, from Ron Pablo. Hey, guys, I never thought I was going to enjoy the Bachelor talk. The first time I listened, 
since I'm from Brazil and had never heard of the show before you guys. However, you guys put it in a way that makes everything interesting and funny somehow. Love the way you podcast, so I've enjoyed it every time since. Now, great to hear, by the way. <laughs> now, <you. laughs> about football, if you could uh, only have one of the two, who would you pick considering the price? Eric Armstead for 13 per year or Chris Jones for 20 per year? Well, I don't think first of all, Eric. Eric Armstead is pretty much going to cost the same as Chris Jones. Yeah. Uh, especially after they win a Super Bowl this weekend. Um, I would still take Chris Jones. Yeah, Chris Jones is going to cost a little more than Eric Armstead after he wins a Super Bowl this weekend. <laughs> yeah. Big, big now, Chiefs guy. If those prices worked out to be what you could get them for, I would take Armstead. Yeah, but I don't think no you're getting way. Armstead $13 million a year. $13 I mean, million is what... what Shelby Harris is going to cost. Yeah, it's, at a minimum. it's less than what Calais Campbell got three years ago. Yeah. And we've seen how the market has gone since then. But in this world, you would take In Armstead. that world, absolutely. Yeah. Minnesota Paul. I was in the middle of a Hill workout when I heard RK guess Ben Barch would play slot wide receiver. <laughs> <laughs> LOL. I wonder what people thought when they drove by a man laughing while repeatedly running up a hill. I'll ask about Barch again when Mace is back. In the meantime, fireflies are sometimes called lightning bugs up here, and roly-polies are also called pill bugs. Well, I guess, should I just answer his question about Barch? Yeah, yeah go I for saw? it. Okay. Um, I was really surprised at his footwork because at St. John's in Minnesota, Division Three, he's just going to overpower people. And that's just what you expect on that level. I, I actually went back this weekend, watched some film of him, kind of like when I watched Ali Marpet out of Hobart a few years ago. It's ridiculous. He just destroys everybody. But seeing him last week, a little bit of a, a dancing bear type in terms of someone who's big and can probably add about 10 or 15 pounds, but is very light on his feet. And I know Mike Munchak, when he's looking at the O-Limans and similar and Chris Cooper as well, they're watching the feet first. So I wouldn't be surprised if Barch is on the Broncos' radar as a late day two, day three pick. All right, I thought that was a fun uh, little exercise we did yesterday where I tried to guess um, who a guy was. So, Zach, I've got one for you. Mace, don't talk. Okay. <laughs> Zach, uh, tell me about Kyle Duggar. Oh, Kyle Duggar. He, you don't want to run the ball toward him. <laughs> he's just He's going to eat up linemen in the middle of that line. <laughs> And he's not really going to get to the quarterback, but he's going to stuff guys. Where do you think uh, he went to school? Uh, he went to South Memphis. <laughs> he went to Lenore Ryan. Lenore? Are you freaking in kidding? Hick Come in, on. This in is Hickory, unfair. North Carolina. He's at the Senior Bowl. <laughs> he's a safety. And this guy, impressive. Just a lot of range. Now, yeah. He can come up and defend the run. That's what I was talking about. He, he, he'll take on multiple but, blocks. But watching, him, but watching him move around and how much space he, can co he could cover, the way he was kind of rangy and playing a little bit of center field at times, it actually – there was a moment, there was one rep in particular where I had a little bit of a Justin Simmons flashback mm. watching Kyle Duggar. Very impressive. Um, I'm a fan. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's just the other D3 prospect from the Senior Bowl. That's why I gave you him. <laughs> That's fair then. Uh, all right, from DJC15. One, this whole week is dreadful because my family is all from Kansas City Chiefs, uh, Kansas City and Chiefs fan, and then, then you've had to listen to Zach all week. My grandma, <laughs> who forgets I'm a Broncos Just fan, asked me if I'm going to watch the Chiefs, and I told her I had to work because I didn't have the heart to tell her the only time I'll watch the Chiefs is if they play the Broncos or if they're being catapulted into the sun. <laughs> um, so you're not watching the Super Bowl, huh? That's, that's what he's wow. saying? Wow. Wow. 
There's, I mean, there's nothing that could make me not watch the Super Bowl, even if it was somehow Chiefs. Patriots watch for the commercials at least. <laughs> Chiefs Packers would be pretty bad. Yeah, I mean, last year for me, the Patriots Rams game was the rooting for the meteor game. Yeah, Don't like what, the Rams. What about the Rams? They they lied to the city of St. Louis for years and the fans uh, of St. Louis okay. for years. You got morals, I see. That's why I'm. That's why I probably will never really support a Kroenke organization. Fair enough. Two, I caved and watched The Bachelor, and I'll say it's like a car wreck. It's so bad, but for some reason I can't turn my <laughs> eyes away. Also, there's some new developments in the... Uh, uh, that's that's what I've heard. Yeah. Um, Chase Rice is claiming that he just spent one night yep, with that Yep, just spent a one-night thing, and she's saying it's a relationship, huh? As much as these girls are all full of you-know-what, I actually believe her in this scenario. They had, like, a whole conversation... And it wasn't like a, oh, I remember you. It right. was like a, hey, right. just whatever makes you happy, you know, you should do that. It wasn't an Eli Manning. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyways, he says, threes for Pat. Four with the addition of Shula. I think we have one of the best group of coaches in the league. Between Vic, Donatel, Shula, Shermer, and Munchak, that's some serious accomplished coaches right there. It's a good staff. And actually, I would say now that Dante Skarnecchia has officially retired from the Patriots, that uh, Munchak is heading shoulders above every other offensive line coach in the league. I think Skarnecchia was the one who was on his level. Yep, it, unquestionably, he's the best. I, I totally agree. I, I, I don't like talking about like superstar coaching staffs. I just uh, it, I think never, we've been scarred yeah. here mm-hmm. recently, haven't we? Yeah, but I do believe in Mike Munchak. Yeah. Above all, and I believe in Vic Fangio's ability to put together a great defense. I agree with both of those. Johnny G says, hey, gang, I have a couple of questions today. It seemed like the addition of Mike Shula to Pat Shermer's staff was something highly likely from the beginning. What does this mean for Drew Locke and his development in theory? Also, I had seen on Twitter yesterday that Jay Glazer was reporting that the Chargers are moving on for Phillip Rivers. How does that change the landscape of the AFC West? Would you see them sticking with Tyrod Taylor, bringing in a free agent, drafting someone high, or a combination? Thanks for the great pod. I appreciate all you guys do. I think we've dealt with a lot of this I think we've touched, already. touched on it all. Except the Tyrod Taylor thing, and I think he's not going to be the plan A for the Chargers at quarterback. Now, if they decide, okay, we're not going to go Tom Brady, but we're going to draft Justin Herbert high, then I could see Tyrod Taylor being their bridge. Right. But I don't think that's the kind of sexy situation that they want going into SoFi Stadium and trying to sell tickets and get the market to, to tilt in their favor. I'd rather face Philip Rivers than Tyrod Taylor. I would too. So Tyrod Taylor's better. Yeah, Tyrod, Tyrod is mobile. Ty, Tyrod, I think, forces, the at this point in his life, forces the defense to think more because you have to take into account the running. And the arm is good, not great, but good enough. Um, before we move on, I want to give a shout out to Blake Street Tavern, one of the best sports bars in Denver. It's huge. It's there's TVs everywhere. They've got game sound for multiple games going on at the same time. Uh, they're really able to do things that not too many bars are able to do. And the food there is awesome. The, the best nachos in the world, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, so make sure you check out the Blake Street Tavern and, uh, tell them that you're a DNVR family member they will appreciate you and blake street tavern is 
And you're going to see Give me some wings. a lot of the workers there wearing uh, DNVR shirts. Yes, you will. Yes. Boucher all day says, I'm sorry, guys. I know. Long comment. But I really need to get this off my chest about Kobe. Everyone handles grief differently, and I didn't have anybody to talk to about this. Everyone around me is just like, it's tragic, but it's just another celebrity. Or, you didn't know him personally. Relax. It hit me hard. I've only owned two jerseys in my entire life. Kobe's 24 and Champ's 24. I bet you can guess my favorite number. At 27, I'm at a vicarious point in my life. I've dealt with so much death already, and whether or not I like it, I have to brace myself with what may be next. I chose 24 for basketball because he was my idol. I would always make time to watch his games, mimic his movements, the tenacity, the drive. It made me a better player. But what I was not prepared for was how much I learned after his career, how he was respected as a father, husband, and a friend. Even now, a father of a beautiful two-year-old daughter, he was teaching me the lessons of how to be a better dad. I just get home from work, hug my daughter, and cry, listening to my daughter say, You okay, Dad? Sorry again. But looking at life differently right now. Yeah, it's rough, man. And, and don't let anyone tell you that you shouldn't be able to grieve, uh, to grieve the loss of a celebrity or uh, anything like that. You know, it, I'll admit it, it felt weird um, how emotional I was over it. But the more I looked at Twitter and the more I saw that a lot of people were feeling the same way, I realized, you know, it's, it's not that weird. These it's, it's kind of what makes sports special, right? Is you feel real life connections to these people. They become a part of your life. I can't even imagine for, you know, the way I felt, I can imagine for a Lakers fan that, you know, for, for 20 years, they watched Kobe Bryant and, you know, day in, day out, every, they had lived and died on every word and then they're gone. So, uh, you, you don't have anything to feel bad about in, in terms all. of not at all. That. Don't not feel, at all. Don't feel bad about that in any way, shape, or form. Count Locula, I would like to hear you find Gent's thoughts on whether or not it's okay to invite opposing fans, good friends both, to a Super Bowl party, knowing that one of them is going to be just in pure misery while the other one revels. Both of these dudes will be heartbroken if their team loses. I have experience with this. Okay. Mm. First uh, Super Bowl party as it were that we had in my family was when I was seven years old and I was living in Virginia at the time so that was back when I was a diehard Redskins fan before we moved to Tampa a few years later and they're playing the Raiders in Super Bowl 18 and one of the people we invited over was a huge Raiders fan and 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 the and his kid was a huge Raiders fan as well and the Raiders win that game 38-9. And me being seven years old, thinking that the world would end because the Redskins lost the Super Bowl, <laughs> um, at, when, it was, when it was winding down after there was a strip sack fumble that basically ended any lingering hope of a miraculous comeback, I went uh, down the hall to the stairwell and I was crying. And so I'm not sure about the notion of having uh, people on opposing sides. To me, a Super Bowl party. I don't know if that works. To me, it depends on the level of fan. And he says that they're both diehards here. I, for me, it's difficult to, to say that's a good idea. Um, <laughs> just because one person is going to be in on cloud nine, while the other person is just going to be absolutely wrecked, and that's just going to create a, a weird dynamic. It certainly would. So I vote against that. Um, I've been at parties where there's both bands, but they weren't like diehards, you know, they lost, uh, whatever. Uh, but I think two diehard fans for me, if I were them, I would want to watch at home 
unless I was in the Super Bowl city or the city of the team, I think I would just want to watch at home with only fans of my team. I agree. That's how I would want to take it in. Personally. Because if it goes badly, then you mourn together. You have that silent shuffle through the halftime buffet of salsa, chips, and guacamole, <laughs> and you're just it's it basically takes on a little bit of a funeral wake. The thing I remember about that when I was a kid is the the Redskins fans who were there at halftime when it was twenty one three and they were down. It reminded me uh, it, it reminded me of my uncle's funeral a few months earlier. Everyone is kind of shuffling around like, oh, what the what the hell happened? I mean, how how could they you know come out and laid such an laid such an egg? But it was you know. It was it was a learning experience for me as a football fan. Yeah, it would be no fun watching your team lose a Super Bowl, but then having people happy around you, uh, that would be the worst. Yeah. Before we move on, uh, Roger Goodell talking about the Broncos at his uh, press conference going on right now. He was asked about Broncos ownership, and uh, part of his response was that was, quote, for us, we want to make sure that Pat Bowen's wishes are followed. I don't think he'd be happy about the public disputes going on, unquote. I think he's right. I think he's right as well. Yeah. Also, as we've been recording this, uh, this isn't necessarily news, but the NFL has announced that they are returning to Mexico in 2020 and 2021. Mm -hmm. But in this release, tucked in here, it says, the date and time of the 2020 Mexico City game, along with the details of the NFL's 2020 London game, will be determined in conjunction with the release of the NFL schedule this spring. Well, that sucks. Ooh. Yeah. Wow. For planning purposes, that sucks. Because, Mace, you said, you had a tweet last night that said the latest they had released London dates was like... January 21st. And now they're waiting till the, what, probably around so April 21st. Yeah. It goes back to what we were talking about you know, earlier this morning uh, before we went on air, that they've got some arm twisting to do for teams to host or to give up a game to London because you no longer have the Raiders, Rams, and Chargers who were in transitory stadium situations. So thus, okay, you just take a game from the Chargers, take a game from the Rams, take a game from the Raiders. It's easy. Not anymore. The Jaguars, they're contractually obligated to give up a game. But aside from that, there's some work to do. Like the Broncos, for example, in their lease, they can't give up a game. That's part of their terms. They cannot have a game played anywhere else. Maybe a home I'm, game. Sorry, Mace. Maybe I'm behind on this, but it sounded like there was just one London game kind of from that. It's a the London game or London, London games, London games. Okay. 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 Another thing to go back to Pat Bowen for a second. Um, Albert Breer on, on Twitter basically reiterated what Joe Ellis said a few weeks ago, that it's important that the Bowen family find one person to lead the team as principal owner and that Bowen would be upset to see all the infighting. So I think uh, kind of Joe Ellis, what he made clear uh, at the end of the season at that press conference, uh, Roger Goodell just reiterating that. And uh, I would also say that it sounds like there's some concern from the NFL at the league level about the Broncos' uh, situation right now. From Iceman, hey, friends, I recently received my number 55 100th season jersey, orange jersey. I won't wear it until Chubb is playing again. Glad to hear Ryan's show is off limits for newbies this year. Get well, Mace. Good to see the Dove Valley two-step is alive and continuing <laughs> on. The NFL is still king, boys, even with the Pro Bowl. Ridiculous. Top Gun 2, June 6, 2020. Go Broncos, Drew. Strawberry, Super Bowl, Sky, DNVR, and Tom Cruise. <laughs> so I, didn't, I apologize for not listening to y'all's uh, podcast Monday. Did you guys talk about the Pro Bowl at all or? Yeah, we said it's trash. <laughs> How much did you watch? None. Zero. I clicked over for one play, saw, 
I think it was Xavier Rhodes kind of back away from potential tackle. And I'm like, and, and the receiver just kind of running free. And I was like, okay, that's it. Don't need to see this. I'm out. Yeah, so, I told so we the, watched a total of one snap. One snap. Us. <laughs> I, I told the story of how I saw a highlight on Twitter. Highlight. Very big air quotes. Uh, of Cortland Sutton catching a comeback route, and I said it, it was slower than when they run routes against air in practice, and that's what got me out. Of I it. saw some like tweets on social media, maybe even a couple from the Broncos account, kind of about, oh, like look at this is why from practice, like oh, this is why Cortland Sutton is a Pro Bowl when he made like a one-handed catch. I'm like, he's doing it at half speed. Yeah, he's jo- he's jogging. This is not this is this is like when. The Giants on their Twitter feed put out that thing of Daniel Jones. Hey, Daniel Jones out here dropping dimes. It's against air. There's no defense. Of yeah, course. Ridiculous. Next one from Y.O. Bronco says, Zach, you may be a little off the reservation with a certain Packers quarterback evaluation, but I will help you with your position some. What current Broncos quarterback has a higher playoff win percentage? Yep, Sleepy Joe. This is why quarterback wins are not a stat. <laughs> yes. Joe Flacco also, just as by himself, has only one fewer playoff win than the entire Kansas City Chiefs franchise. Hey, zinger. (laughs) (laughs) I can't wait to watch Bosa break Mahomes. Niners aren't going to let up when he gets near the sideline like the Titans and Texans did. I hope they make him see ghosts for years to come. Fun fact, Nick Bosa's grandfather was a mobster who took over the Chicago syndicate after Capone. Hopefully the Chiefs end up sleeping with the Fishes Sunday, metaphorically speaking anyway. With talks of the fifth-year option going away with the new CBA, would it be worth it to double-dip in the first round this year? Is the loss of draft capital worth the extra year of control on two players? How many players do each of you predict the Broncos end up with from the draft? RIP to the helicopter crash victims. Enjoy life today because yesterday is gone and tomorrow is never promised. Thanks, guys. think it's totally worth it. I would this be, year. If I was a GM, it would be in my plans to try to do this every year. Go well, from second to first. Jump up into the end of the first. Especially when you're sitting on two, three, on three, three, third round picks, you have the capital to do it. But I think what he's uh, saying is maybe you know, maybe even talking about trading a future pick. Like let's say you trade a, a one in twenty twenty one for a one this year. What's more valuable? Right, well, yeah. Because of the fifth-year option. You'd probably say that the first-round pick in 2020 is more valuable than the 2021 first-rounder if the, if the landscape has changed by then. Now, if they don't have a new CBA going into the 2021 draft, then it'll probably be under the current rules, which would mean there would be one more year for the fifth-year option. From Joe Schmo, what up, fellas? Mace, I feel you for losing your sweet pup. My family's first dog, Bailey, passed away last year, and she was my everything. It's a terrible It's terrible being in another state when my parents put her down. I feel for you, friend. And let me use this opportunity to just say thank you to everybody who's reached out in the comments, who reached out on social media the last few days after I put the post up, and uh, to you guys as well for reaching back. At Once I kind of tweet about it, I didn't really have the energy or you know the, the heart to say too much for a while, but... Um, I really appreciate everyone sharing their thoughts and their condolences. I mean, yeah, it's some may say, yeah, it's just a dog. But nope. Those of us, you, no we all, you know, if you've had, you, we've all had pets, and you know, it, it's really a member of the family. And I think the other thing with this dog, George, in particular, um, kind of the backstory on him is that my now wife already had him when we met. And basically, I had to pass the George test. 
Otherwise, <laughs> I was going to be useless, and I and I we just both move on down the road. And um, fortunately, I did. And fortunately, George and I bonded. And I actually, as I told Charlotte, I said, "Hey, our daughter. Hey, you know, in a way, you're here because of George." <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, thank you to everybody from the bottom of my heart. I really appreciate it. Love you, Mace. Uh, next one here is from Coach. Well, there's a question. Oh, okay. Well, the question is, probably a week or two late here, but do you think the Broncos departed with Mike Sullivan because of his inability to get extensions with Broncos players completed during the seasons, i.e. Simmons, Chris Harris, and others? No, that's John Elway's job. Yeah, and that's a John Elway call. Right. Yeah, exactly. Next one coming in from Coach Tobin. Hey, fellas, I want to say what an awesome pod this is, and I do listen each day religiously. You all bring joy to me as I travel around this West Texas desert. Well, thank you so much. We love that you're rolling with us. Love it. My question is, what other radio slash pods do you all listen to? I'm not looking for any more, but I am also a cult follower of the Dan Lebitard and Stu Gotts show on ESPN. The reason you have gotten me to subscribe is because I see a lot of similar traits in how you guys operate and don't just make it strictly sports. We get the important knowledge on said sports topics, but also get to wander off and talk about other very important issues, such as making salmon in a dishwasher. (laughs) Also, I have the app, but I listen on Spotify. Is there a review thing I can do on it to boost how great this is, or is it just for the Apple snobs? That's a good question. Mm -hmm. I'm sure there's a review feature on Spotify. I just happen to look at the Apple one because that's what I think about 80% of our listeners or 70% of our listeners listen through. Uh, But we would appreciate if you don't listen uh on apple or you can you know figure out a way to just maybe your wife has an iphone or something and you can get her to do it on there yeah, i don't listen to levitard and stugatz every day but uh if i'm driving around and i have sports radio on and what channel are they on it'd be on espn radio so i would pick that up like off oh, satellite radio okay for example or i think it'd be on 1600 okay. here in the denver market uh that's prob that, that's the best national show going i think that's the one that makes me laugh that's the one that makes me chuckle the most it's got very good repartee very good chemistry and they do kind of go you know off off sports and kind of off tangent it's probably as far as the national show it's the only show i've really liked since espn dropped uh, tony kornheiser from its radio lineup they replaced tony kornheiser with colin cowherd about this was like 13 or 14 years ago and i thought that was a total downgrade mm, yeah my national would be uh the dan patrick show I just think because of the reasons exactly why Coach Tobin talked about is they aren't afraid to go off topic. They have great banter and conversation, and and I just I think it's very entertaining. And I like we try to do. They kind of make you feel like you're one of the guys hanging out. Absolutely, I love Dan Patrick's one of my biggest influences in this business. Um, the other one I used to love, which is gone now is SVP and Rosillo, but that's another thing that I've really tried to, uh, model the way I do things after in kind of the same thing that you said, it's just hanging out with friends. Um, the podcast that I listen to though, starts with reply all, which is not a sports podcast. It's more of like a investigative podcast, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of fun that goes on on there too. Uh, as as far as sports podcast goes, Katie Nolan's podcast uh, I think is hilarious. And t- you want to talk about going off the rails? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, they go further off the rails. And they did a whole they did ninety minutes on the Bachelor. So don't come after <laughs> me talking about talking too much Bachelor. I listen to one that's done by Fangraphs that covers baseball. It's called Effectively Wild. It's really a lot of by the numbers discussion of uh, of baseball topics. But I I listen to that religiously. Um, 
non-sports. Uh, there's podcast called Mobituaries. It's done by uh, Mo Rock of CBS uh, Sunday Morning. And what he does is each podcast takes kind of a look back at something in pop culture that's sort of been lost to the times. And uh, like, for example, when in the wake of the St. Louis Blues winning the Stanley Cup, he went back and did a podcast on Laura Branigan because she sang Glory. And of course, that became their song leading up to their run of the Stanley Cup finals. And stuff like that so it's really kind of you know off off the radar but it's pretty entertaining and also if you're a soccer fan um there was a podcast that was produced last year called american fiasco it was a series that was on the 1998 u.s world cup team and everything that went wrong and it was that's one of the best podcast listens i've ever had and i I, it's still out there i recommend listening to it if you're a soccer fan Good Rex. I think Effectively Wild could be a, uh, a side name for our podcast. <laughs> it certainly was today. Um, from Broncos Guy 63 quick two-part question for you guys. I saw an article talking about how the Eagles are rooting for Andy Reid. Eagles fans are rooting for Andy Reid in the Super Bowl. My first question is, would you? Seems obvious to me that you would, but it got me thinking. Also in the story, they said that they would uh, root for him because he's the second best coach in Eagles history. The first was Doug Peterson, in his opinion, because he got them over the hump and won one. I feel like Andy Reid is objectively a better coach, but who would you rate as the better one considering Peterson actually won the Super Bowl? Thanks, guys. Appreciate your time and the community you have built. I don't participate much, but I listen every day, and I'm very appreciative and thankful for you guys. Have a strawberry sky for me because I can't find any here in Utah. I've still got to go bigger sample size and say Andy Reid's a better coach than Doug Peterson. And also, Doug Peterson will tell you so much of what he learned came from Andy Reid. I think in the end, it'll be Andy Reid because I think he'll eventually get one. Um, but right now, I think you got to go with Doug Peterson because he won one in Philadelphia. I mean, he's not only won one in Philadelphia, he's won one in, what, 25% of his seasons as a head coach? And he's gone to the playoffs three times, and two of them happened with a backup quarterback actually finishing the job in the regular season and yeah. guiding the team two wins in the postseason. And just uh, with a little bit of luck, it could have Josh McCown could have been the third backup quarterback to lead the Eagles to a playoff win in the Doug Pearson era. You're choosing between two outstanding coaches. Now, the notion of Eagles fans rooting for Andy Reid, honestly, if, if John Fox got back into head coaching and got a team to the Super Bowl, I'd be rooting for John Fox's team. And that makes sense because you had a relationship with him, even if it's just a media-type relationship. You know, you kind of feel like you know the guy. And covered him in Carolina and and Denver. But I would say that, I mean, I know people kind of get frustrated about some things like taking a knee in the playoff game against Baltimore, but there was a lot of success with John Fox here. And I think if he got to a Super Bowl with another team that a lot of Broncos country would be pulling for him. I don't know about a lot, but people would. Uh, it's hard to say because, like, Andy Reid was the best coach in Eagles history at the time. So like, I think, I think people should be pulling for him. It's like Mike Shanahan would be the perfect example. If Mike Shanahan was there with the Redskins, would Broncos fans have been rooting for him? I think Probably. So. I think yeah, so too. I think That's so. Good, VGK good Broncos is talking about movies that always make me get emotional. The number one movie for me is field of dreams. At the end, when Kevin Costner asks his dad to play catch, gets me every time, as it reminds me of what I would do the same with my old man. 
Not sure if you've covered this, but have any of you guys watched the Aaron Hernandez documentary on Netflix? I binged it over the weekend, and it was crazy to see all the evil stuff he did while still playing football, quote, the Patriots way. If anyone hasn't seen it yet, then definitely check it out. It's worth a watch. I haven't seen it. My wife has. She said it's, very, it's definitely worth watching. Yeah, I've heard the exact same thing. Uh, yeah, I wanted to watch it too. Next one's from Mark IT Snatch. Hey guys, RK, I forgot about how much I missed Abos. And I went to high school in Niwot, and Abos was the place to go in town for lunch on Tuesdays. Those giant, thin, crispy slices of greasy heaven are to die for. And their ranch is the perfect to finish off those pizza bones. It really is great pizza. And they had, I think, like a five dollar special, which was like two slices and a drink. Something Ooh, amazing. Pizza bones. I've never heard that before. Yeah, I haven't either. That's creepy. A food not that is not classified as breakfast, lunch, or dinner, but welcomed at all three. Bacon. Bacon. Eggs and bacon. Bacon something sandwiches. Bacon burgers. Bacon wrap steaks. Same a few uses of the most magical culinary substances known to man. <laughs> <laughs> Again, you can't just have just bacon for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You can have it for breakfast, but if you're having it for dinner, you're having breakfast. Yep. This, <laughs> we put an end to this conversation. The conversation is over. Kind of like talking about Patrick Mahomes in the next 10 years. That conversation is over, too. What about salmon? Where does that qualify? Oh, boy. Salmon? Again. Because you have salmon like on... You don't get it either. But yes. salmon on cream cheese and, and no. a bagel is breakfast. Yes, but you can't eat that for dinner without it being... It has you're to be one thing that doesn't change. So, like, one collective item. Right. Or Peanut butter one. and jelly. You don't change anything about it no matter when you're eating it. I've had pizza for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. <laughs> but you're weird if you're you, – you admit that you're eating something different for breakfast. Like, that is not a breakfast food. And most people would say <laughs> – Depends that, on your perspective. <laughs> most people would say that you have cold pizza for breakfast, which makes it different. But I used to also have cold pizza for lunch when I was a kid because I would wrap – my mom would wrap it in uh, aluminum foil, and I'd take it in my – in my lunch bag and then i'd have it sitting there for lunch for me for sure oh that was great. such a treat yes all right we're done with, we're not talking about this anymore <laughs> with the hire of mike shula i do have a bit of concern he has a proven track record with david garrard and cam newton garrard fizzled fizzled out shortly after Shu, uh leaving shula's wing the best years of cam newton were under his tutelage however cam's recklessness is worrisome he took many hits while scrambling and did little to protect his body all this under our new quarterbacks coach while Cam and Drew Locke are vastly different quarterbacks with different skill sets, is there cause for concern that we just hired the coach that made that took Cam and drove him into the ground after seven years of punishing blows? I think, Ryan, you touched on this earlier. And Cam, it's not like Mike Shula was coaching Cam to take hits. That's just who he was. He runs to contact. A lot of that was off script. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think Mike Shula would have been much happier if Cam, when he got to the sticks, just got out of bounds or slid. That would have saved him a lot. Would have saved him a lot of accumulated wear and tear. Instead of getting lifted up and pile driven by Von Miller on the sideline, cool. yeah. I do think we will have we will see Drew more mobile and using that mobility and, and running the ball more this year, though. I'm cool with that. Mm -hmm. Dan Burke says probably in the extreme minority among Broncos fans, but I really like Travis Kelsey on and off the field. I know we don't get political on this podcast, so I won't get into anything specific, but I'm sure y'all are aware of what he did to make me and others have a lot of respect for him. No clue. I have no idea either. On the flip side, Frank, Frank, Frank Clark is becoming one of my least favorite players. Here's some Frank Clark quotes from the past few days. I'm not really too fond of D Ford. The 49ers haven't seen a defensive end like me. George Kittle is the second best tight end in the game. 
If you watch football and you understand football, then you know Frank Clark. You understand who the best of the league is at doing this. At doing what? At being him, being Frank Clark. Yeah, he's definitely the best at Frank Clarking. I need Staley to ragdoll him on Sunday. Me too. I I wonder if the thing with uh, Travis Kelsey is the fact that he said he would welcome an openly gay teammate. Oh, that's cool. He He said that like three years ago. That's way cool. Yeah, yeah. very, yeah. Um, very classy on his part. That makes me like him more than yes. hate, but I don't like him as a football player or as I don't like his personality. I respect him as a person. Yeah, yeah. And, and as a player. And as a player. Ooh. I mean, and as a reality I TV can star. see how he gets under, under other people's skin, but you know what? If Travis Kelsey were a Denver Bronco, you'd oh. love him. Oh, oh that's right. Oh I mean, that goes gosh. for so many players. <laughs> of course. Akib Tlaib is a perfect example. And I try that. to kind of, I, I tr- honestly, I try to kind of, put that in my mind if this player were on my team how would I feel about him I admit like I hate Bryce Harper because he's a rival of the Braves but if he were on the Atlanta Braves I would love him you would say that about just about everyone Mm. that's not like a Tyreek Hill type of person right Mm. where they're not actually a terrible well there are some you know there's some guys you're like I can take or leave him right but then they're not very good Mm -hmm. obviously (laughs) <laughs> from true Ute 59 hey guys precursor to my question being a Ute, i told i'm a tad biased when it comes to utah players and also maybe a little more lenient on lack of efficiency like Bowles and booker that being said if the writing is on the wall for royce freeman and the team isn't able to resign chj uh, is there a potential for the broncos to draft more Utes in zach moss and jalen johnson zach moss has been very efficient power back for us the last few years when he stayed on the field and jalen johnson has covered the t- num- team's number one wide receiver throughout the season including chenault if i recall could moss be a good thunder to Lindsay's lightning i love zach moss and i would very much be on board with that yeah i love how he spells his name too i now, don't think that's actually how he spells it. now I what's interesting the broncos have brought in quite a few utah players over the years but the connection there was dennis erickson who is a, a friend of john elway's actually was a friend of jack elway's back in the day and was on utah staff i believe from 2014 to 2016 i think that's why you saw a cluster of utah players added to the Broncos in those years. He's not there, but if the connections between the Broncos and Utah football are still strong, don't be surprised to see one of them. He actually spells it Zach Moss (laughs) with a K. Nick Scott, if the Breckenridge surprise isn't a DNVR-based beer with, like, all the employees on the label or something, I am going to be pissed. I mean, how cool would that be? That would actually be pretty awesome. And if that is the surprise and it's not available in Illinois – I'm just going to be sad. Have a good one, gents. P.S. I hope make his, Mace is back on the pod and feeling like himself again. Well, 50-50. I'm back <laughs> on the pod. <laughs> Not to ruin the surprise, but it, on the can, it's just my face. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, is it your that... face at the uh, the podcast awards? What? The, when you were, you know, smiling. Oh, yeah. You know, just, <laughs> see the word. I, I, I see that picture. I think, man, I wish I could always be like Zach. I, just that, just wide-eyed enthusiasm, giddy, happiness, bordering on giddiness. We should. I'm, I'm serious, Zach. We should all aim to be that way. Oh, I appreciate it, it would that, be a better Mace. world if we were all if we if we all had your sentiment that night. Oh, I appreciate that. If we could only bottle and sell Zach's Elon. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? Oh, I would say I wouldn't rule out in the future one day there being a a. DNVR yeah. and Breck beer. I don't have. I'm not speaking from inside information. What are we I calling it? Dishwasher really... salmon. <laughs> oh, boy. No, that's the name of our jam well. band. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
Uh, next one here is from the Big Tabowski. So, Zach and RK, you didn't like my mark, my mock draft or hadn't heard of the later picks at least. Yeah, we never said we didn't like it. Yeah, no, it was good. Andre and Henry put me onto this, so thanks to them. Well, sort of thanks. It has taken over my life a bit, but the draftnetwork.com has a great mock draft app on their site. It's free, which is great. and enables you to do a full seven-round mock draft. Uh, that was bad enough and took up enough of my time. But when I saw that last week they released the ability to do trades if you had an account for $30 a year, I just had to sign up. They do nice, great work business. at Draft Network, by the way. Phenomenal work. I'll get around to that. Now, alas, I've become a bit addicted to doing mock drafts, at least 30 per week without fail. Oof. The great news is two months ago I didn't really know any of the prospects, but their team does really good write-ups on each player and give you a really good overview of players you haven't heard of. I have learned so much about the later rounds now that I can tell you that Alex Taylor is a massive 6'9 offensive tackle from South Carolina State, and he's pretty nimble for a big dude, former basketball player. Big long arms, but lacks really good power. With some NFL conditioning, he could become a starting tackle in the league. Great one to keep an eye on in the later rounds. Akeem Davis Gaither is a smaller linebacker from Appalachian State that we could use as a cover linebacker. I would much prefer Davion Taylor, who sadly isn't on the Draft Network's app yet. That's weird. So use Akeem Davis Gaither as a replacement in mock drafts uh, as they're sort of similar, sort of. I urge you to try the draftnetwork.com and do some mock drafts. It's great fun if you're as sad as me, <laughs> the big T. Here's the thing. Oh, Uh-oh. It is fun, and we have all done it. But to me, it's completely unrealistic. It's just way too easy to get all the players that you want. I think last year when I was doing it, um, you had Dwayne Haskins like available at pick 40 yeah. sometimes before they, they're, they're often changing their algorithm to kind of get it right. But there were some early drafts that I did on their draft machine that were kind of outlandish. So it's not perfect. It's fun to do though. I mean, it's fun mm -hmm. as hell. It, that, I yeah. equate it to like playing a video game, mm -hmm. you know, right. it's not, necessarily realistic but it is fun it is i just every time i do it i'm like yeah this i love it. like i've never done one where i'm like dang i i just didn't have a prospect i wanted <laughs> right. in the third round or whatever right exactly I, little comment on alex, alex taylor real quick um i talked to him down at the senior bowl one of the tackles he kind of wants to pattern himself after is alejandro villanueva of the steelers another guy who was very athletic but had to put on weight alex taylor needs about 20 to 35 more pounds I think he's going to be a weight room project but because he's just not strong enough you could see in the senior bowl game on Saturday just how the lack of strength he was getting bullied around at times but the footwork is there and the length is impressive because sometimes in practice when he would drop back into his pass pro set and he got spread out you'd see the edge rusher kind of like looking okay where do I go I, because this guy's so long, I don't know, uh, can I go inside shoulder? Can I go outside? He's covering so much territory. So if he put, if you get him in that first year, you basically say it's a project year, you get him in the weight room, get another 30 pounds on him, I think by year two you might have something uh, worth starting. I'd take Alex Taylor on day three, definitely. Next one coming you in. You or me? What? You, do you know what? Have you read it? I have. You want to read it or me? You can get it. All right. <laughs> From Steve Atwater Hall of Fame. Sorry for the novel, but Zach got my blood boiling. Uh -huh. Zach, I can only shake my head at your belief that Mahomes is some subhuman quarterback that the NFL has never seen before. I agree that he is a top-tier quarterback, but I can't overlook the fact that he has a genius play caller that will not coach him for the duration of his career. According to Brandon Perna, Mahomes is the third lowest tight coverage completions in the NFL. He also has an average receiver 
uh, separation of nearly three yards per completion, which by NFL standards is about wide open as it gets. Why do we give him credit for the play design? Reed is nearly in his mid-60s and doesn't appear to be the healthiest of life uh, of people. Do you honestly see him coaching into his mid-70s as an overweight workaholic? I don't wish Ill, Ill will on him, but a decade in EMS has provided a lot of perspective when it comes to diet and exercise for the elderly. I also can't overlook the mismatch that he has in weapons of Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. Travis is getting older and speed doesn't last forever. There are estimations that the Mahomes will demand north of $40 million per year in his contract, and his contract year coincides with Tyreek, Kelsey, Tyron Matthew, and basically the entire O-line needing new contracts. If you want some examples of QB success after getting paid, look uh, no further than Russell Wilson, who has watched two teams in his own division go to the Super Bowl since he got paid. Cam Newton, Carson Wentz, Jared Goff, Ben Roethlisberger, Joe Flacco, and Aaron Rodgers are other notable examples of quarterbacks that never got back or still haven't got back to the Super Bowl after getting paid. In today's quarterback market, I'm convinced that the value of the cost-controlled drink above-average quarterback outweighs even the best quarterback that captures his fair market value. My question is, how many superstar players can you afford if you have an additional $40 million per year to sign free agents? And would you take an average, an above-average cost-controlled quarterback over a highly paid top-five QB? So here's a question to you guys. Would you pay Patrick Mahomes $40 million to be on your team? Undoubtedly. Yes. Without a freaking question. I think that answers the question right there. Because, I mean, we've t- I've talked to a lot of the other points, and I don't think we need to go down that again. What I'll say uh, to to you, Steve Atwater, about the all the other quarterbacks you mentioned, Patrick Mahomes is better than, than every single one of those guys, and by a far amount for some of those guys. And I think with Seattle mentions, hey, other teams in their division has got, have gotten to the Super Bowl. The, but other teams in that division, the Rams and 49ers getting there, they both were absolute crap for a while before getting there. Seattle's floor with Russell Wilson, even though they probably don't use him as well as they could, Seattle's floor with Russell Wilson has proven to be 9-7. and seven. So they're operating from a higher floor. And, I mean, how close were they to beating the 49ers in Week 17 and having a bye week in the playoffs and forcing the 49ers on the road? I mean, basically, the difference between the 49ers and the Seahawks was one kind of goal line stand and a terrible one inch, and a right? terrible call terrible call yes yeah because there was a, a blatant pass interference on the play before and it, that that just shows you how luck is involved in this i mean just because seattle hasn't gone to the super bowl the last few years and others in the division have doesn't mean that the seahawks aren't in good shape and aren't giving themselves a good chance year after year you figure at some point with russell wilson they're going to win another super bowl probably from the real links, is it all possible that Fant can be a 700-yard, 10-touchdown TE slash wide receiver? I ask because given the nature of the new offense and Fant's ability, this seems like the area that Vic and Pat would want him to develop into. Is this a next-year thing or a this-year thing? Or is it still in the cards to have him be a little kittleish, for, for him to have a kittleish season of 1,000 yards? Just throwing out some numbers. Hope he does well. Thanks, gentlemen. Have a nice day. Be very happy with 700 yards, 10 touchdowns, but I think the ceiling for him is Kittle as being a perennial 1,000-yarder. Thrilled. If he goes for I, 710 this year, really any year if he does that, that's a very good season living up to the first round right. uh, to pick. He's got to learn how to track the football in the air. If he can do that, then his ceiling gets a lot higher. Exactly. Uh, coming in from Wilma F. <laughs> says, how's it going, boys? Just here to speak on that maybe the greatest candy of all time that almost never gets the hype it deserves. Ladies and gentlemen, 
Reese's Sticks are without a doubt the best combination of crunch, chocolate, peanut butter, and magic. Why must this delicious treat never get any love or praise? Breaks my heart. Also, Hershey's Cookies and Cream deserves just as much love. RK, thank you for putting Zach in line with his mispronunciation of Brother Reese's and Chipotle. Thank you, Zach, but open your eyes! I thought it was Chipotle. It's Reese's and Chipotle. (laughs) Although what was interesting is last week at the Senior Bowl, of course, which is sponsored by Reese's, it seemed like everybody who was associated with the game was very careful to say Reese's. Hey, Reese's. I love it. But it's a possessive apostrophe. It It belongs to Reese. Yeah, exactly. I don't know if they just don't want to make it sound like it's a Reese's monkey. I, I don't know. I don't get that. But that was... That was interesting. Do you guys know what a Reese's stick is? Nope. I've I've never never seen, one, seen heard it, one. but I I kind of want to try it. And, and, and even though I can live without the crunch, I still want to try it. I'll let Ryan try bat soup. I'll try the Reese's. Oh my stick. god! Okay. L- from left left, l- left hook, Larry. I couldn't take it anymore, y'all. The thought of Kansas City winning was too much for me to bear. I had to take action and do something I thought I would never do. I put money on the Chiefs to win on Sunday, thus ensuring they will lose. <laughs> this is a financial sacrifice I'm willing to make for Broncos country. You're welcome everywhere. <laughs> also, if Zach's comments on Mahomes winning the division more than 60% of the time come true, then we truly are in the darkest time. I can't believe I'm the one that's trying to keep hope alive for Broncos country. I'm usually the pessimist around here. That hope is still alive in my scenario. You win the division the other four times, three or four times, and you make the wild card every single year i think that we're in for a decade of great battles between drew Locke and patrick mahomes and i think so too i think so too for brent, brent g oh, go ahead. yeah tom cruise really doesn't measure up all caps as an actor couldn't agree more <laughs> is that a short joke yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's an attack on our hype mace <laughs> Ryan's just laughing. <laughs> we shorter than average people. We gotta stick together, even when they're Scientologists like Tom Cruise. We still gotta stick together. From Albino Reno, as Zachary <laughs> named him yesterday. Albino, what? He just misspoke. Okay. Hope this makes the cutoff. I'll be rooting for the Chiefs. Oh, for the following oh, reasons. Wow. One, look how dismantled teams become after winning the Super Bowl. Chiefs could easily become easily or Chiefs could become easily beatable with how many players they lose. Nope. Two, imagine the narrative. Defending Super Bowl champs fall to Drew Locke in a fifty two to three blowout. <laughs> Not unless Patrick Mahomes cracks a femur. You never know. Three, Mr. B. Four, does it take the sting out of losses to the Chiefs? I mean, they're the best team in the NFL, so losing to them isn't that big of a deal. No. No. They're your rival. <laughs> right. Still hurts like hell. It's Sorry. A, it's mm-hmm. a good argument. Well, it's a good argument, but no. It, it Like we said, it's the wrong opinion to have. There's no <laughs> excuse for rooting for the Chiefs. I'm sorry. And as much as I seem like a Chiefs fan, as Ryan's going to paint me over the next couple of days, I'm certainly not pulling for them. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, not in, I'm not in the business of taking people's fan cards or anything like that. I think that's stupid. But uh, – don't root for the Chiefs. Drew Lack, Drew Lacka, Drew Lacka. Oh, Drew, thank you. Drew Lacka comes in and says, "Good afternoon, gentlemen. Just a couple of quick hitters for you. Do you guys have any update you can provide on the progress of Bradley Chubb? Will he be ready for the start of next season? Absolutely, yes. be ready for the start of the season. Even potentially OTAs, which is good. Yeah. Also, random hypothetical: Would you rather have the number one ranked offense and thirtieth ranked defense, or the number one ranked defense and the thirtieth ranked offense? Hope you guys are having a fantastic day. Offense every time. Yeah." In the super now, if you get to the Super Bowl, maybe the defense, but come on, throughout 
time offense. Admittedly, I'm thinking about my own entertainment value covering a team. Yeah, exactly. And I'd rather watch a team that's got the number <laughs> also, one. Also, like <laughs> you can't you you cannot win games if you can't score points. Right, it's, it's impossible. I think 20 years ago, you'd rather have the number one defense. 30 ranked offense is you're yeah. not going anywhere. Right. In, in this awful. day and age, I think it's just part of how it's reversed. You need a good defense, a competent defense, but not a great defense. And both of the, like, the Niners have a very good defense. The Chiefs have a good defense. They have mm-hmm. developed that over the course of the year, but it's not the best defense. If you switch the numbers to 1 and 15, I'll take the defense. Right. But 1 and 30, the 30th ranked offense is incapable of winning you games. Yep. Next one from TK Freeze. Okay, first thing is first. Thank you, Kobe, not only for everything you've done with the sports, with the sport of basketball, but the world. I've the mentality you've brought was insane. I played basketball my whole life, all throughout high school and college. My junior year of high school, I was in a really bad car accident. My brother and I got hit by a drunk driver, and I tore ligaments in my knee. Doctor told me I couldn't play basketball that year, and maybe couldn't play my senior year of high school. I was devastated and quite frankly pissed. I started rehabbing, but couldn't really get into thinking it didn't matter since the basketball part of my life was over. My brother wasn't having it and started teasing me, saying Kobe wouldn't even miss his junior year. Get your butt up and start com- and start complaining. Stop complaining. And stop. Con- thank you. Every day he trained me and told me to bring the Mamba mentality. I didn't make it back for the beginning of my junior season, but my team stayed in it, and I was able to be back for the playoffs. We made it to state. We didn't win, but damn, I have the memory forever. My brother and I are Suns fans, and while Kobe is the reason Nash never won a title, I respect him as a man and his competitors. Thank you guys for your tribute the other day, and thank you, number 24, RIP GG. Good post. Really appreciate that. Yep. Chub Club 55. How we doing today, fellas? Hope all is well with you because it is always good over here in Moscow, Idaho. Loving the offseason pods, even though I don't know half of the draft prospects you guys have mentioned so far, but I am sure getting excited for the next hint of Bronco football, which would be the draft, I guess. No real football question today, as I find it difficult to form some questions that aren't, who do you think the Broncos will take at 15? So I'll go a little off the board for whoever's on the pod today. Would you guys rather have hamsters for feet or squirrels for hands? PSRK trying to get the wife into the back shore with very little success. Thanks again, boys. Usually it's the other way around. <laughs> yes. Um... Okay, if you have hamsters for feet, your body weight is going to crush them. Yeah, but you have to have that. I'm not having squirrels for hands. But your feet just died the (laughs) second you stepped out of bed. And also with the squirrels, I mean, you you have obviously, you have the the, the four legs. You're not going to have the opposable thumb, although maybe you could kind of manipulate the tail a little bit. So... (laughs) You I sound I, like Mike Leach right now. <laughs> I could work Very with. I guess this. what I'm saying is, I think I could work with squirrel hands better than hamster feet. Yeah, I'm taking uh, squirrel hands all day. See, I just imagine hamster feet being super quick and like. But tiny. You have enough become... hamsters to support your body. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I have a. We have a hamster at home. It's you know basically. It's, Gosh, yeah, the, you're right. It's you not even the it. length of this microphone. I mean, it's it's not. Squirrel hands might be kind of cool. I don't know. It'd be good for, like, rushing the passer, well, right? Well, if you think about it, instead of opposable thumbs, you've got, like, two fingers up here, and then their their feet can be the thumbs. Yeah, and the other this thing... too weird. And look how squirrels can kind of can climb up trees, and they can, they can go out on branches. There's a lot of security in what they bring in terms of the ability to, to latch on to 
to tree branches. I've got to go with the squirrel hands. I think I could make something happen with that. This is so weird. The one thing this is so awesome. Uh, 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 <laughs> Actually, you, you now have to feed your hands extra food, or feed your toes, or maybe your your digestive system just like feeds the squirrel. Oh wow! Like a baby. Do they go to the bathroom? On your arms? <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> no, it, yeah, it's all connected. All right, last one here is from negative, false, positive. Mike Shula, we have an amazing coaching staff now. Everyone is accomplished. No excuses for losing. I'm curious about the rules of off-season activities. I would love to see Locke get some time with Sutton and Fant. How's the setup? They can hang out as much as they want. Right. It's just they can't do it at the team facility, and they can't do it with coaches right now. But there is nothing to stop those three and others from getting together off-site somewhere, anywhere, and working as much as they want. He says, do you have any info on whether Elway micromanages the offense? Will Shermer and Fangio have carte blanche? Uh, I don't think Mm. he might give input throughout the week, but obviously it's not like he's on the headset during the game, so he can't really micromanage. No, not to that extent. Certainly not. Finishes by saying, by the way, y'all turned me on to Pleasure Horse. I have infant twins and play it for them in the morning sometimes. Love it. That's awesome to hear. And actually, that reminds me that we have a new uh, band that we wanted to feature today. They just dropped their EP. They're listeners of the show. Mm. uh, And they are called Bank Shot. So as we uh, call it a day here on the DNVR Broncos podcast, we first remember remind you about Denver Rubber Company. Make sure you check them out. They're tried and true since 1972. Uh, custom hoses, die cut gaskets, whatever it is you need in the rubber world, they've got you taken care of. But for today, we're going to let Bank Shot play us out. Have a good one. Well, she was standing there with the devil in her eyes and the curls in her hair. When she looked my way. I sang a song, she entrapped my soul with the words from her lungs. Well, she took me away. So get funky, baby. I'll be my get down, girl. Let's get groovy, baby. Dance the street, we're looking for the devil.